Hello there, and welcome to Pivotal Film. I'm Tom Nolan. I'm Andy Barry. No, I'm Andy Barry. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> I don't know. Get <laughs> the fuck out of here. We're deep into the 2024 year. We're almost into the second month. The championship games are occurring right now. Nobody cares about them. At least I, I mean, he does. Andy Barry over there, but this Andy Barry doesn't care about him. I've already had enough of this year. Yeah, kind of me I too. I can't wait for Abomination's fuck 2024. Yeah. I want them to release it now. Yeah. Abomination? The brewery. Oh. That Abomination. releases the, 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 the fuck, you know, yeah. the year series. Got it, yeah. 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 I can taste it's been, it. It's been like too much. I've been work, working, like at work. I'm actually working a lot. Mm-hmm. And I don't like it. Yeah. Usually I don't have to work as much, but now like... Actually working, yeah. And that makes it frustrating. Too much change at work, and, that and then sometimes really I try to like please myself by seeing 2023 movies that are released <laughs> in 2024 and consider 2024 movies, and then that's even worse. Well, it's probably good for you in terms of like list making. Is Talk that about like zone next, of interest? Next year, your list is not going to feel like have that one weird mo- like the one weird movie on it yeah, that came not, out. You know what I mean? It's obviously not. I don't like it. I didn't like it, but it's not going to. We'll talk about it in a few weeks. Um, it's not gonna make a worse list. Obviously, it's gonna mm. like it's like an Oppenheimer. It's in the Oppenheimer position for mm. me. Mm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he's had we'll talk about that another time. Um, uh, Speaking country, of Oppenheimer, I was saying thirteen nominations yeah. at the Oscars because we're recording this a week. Did it pre win eleven of them or? I mean, possibly because Killian Murphy could still lose. Oh yeah, I think he's gonna lose. Um, I'm not like rooting for it. it. I just lose, think the gym. It could still lose director. I don't think it does, but it could still potentially. Uh, so I actually think I think Giamatti wins. I think we can think go into this into more like rational detail. I actually had the thing, the thought today that it wins director and but loses, loses picture. Maybe because it, of the Barbie thing. And not that Barbie's going to win, but that like it'll split. It'll split. They'll. It'll. Oppenheimer's. I don't know. People will start tossing more votes around rather than just give Oppenheimer everything as a reaction to, like, Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie getting snubbed, which I'm putting in audible air quotes. Yeah. Um, Even though I like Greta Gerwig as a director, I mean... I don't know you'd kick out for in the... With so... I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would kick out... Again, it's... Well, Jonathan Glazer, but you haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. Um, Yeah, I don't know who's doing a worse job... But she, Margot Robbie could have been in over Annette Benning. That was a terrible Yeah, that's fine. But could I, have nothing. She should have been in over Annette Benning. But I, th- I just find yeah. it humorous that like everyone's like, oh, she got stubbed, and like this is repression. And it's like, well, th- the other five people were women. There's only five spots. And, and, they, and like, they do this every year. Yeah. Like, if Annette Benning is good in a movie, more than likely, like, someone's being like, if Annette Benning didn't get nominated, they'd be like, Annette Benning got snubbed. She swam a lot. And they didn't reward her for all her swimming. Yeah, Fuck exactly. the Oscars. Well, I guess, I, to be fair, everyone is saying, like, a net bending spot should have went to Margot Robbie. So I think if Margot I mean, Robbie... I agree. If Margot Robbie had been nominated, I don't think anybody would be like, a net bending should have been in over maybe Carrie Mulligan. I have four... But, like, nobody's going to say, like, Lily Gladstone really stole that one. I have three people on my list that should have gotten nominated over a net bending. So, I mean, that's like just Michelle Williams, Julie Wee Dreyfus, well, and but like, you know what I mean? Like, like but if Brody, we're talking, sure, Julie, anybody. But if we're talking like Oscar actual chance, yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's just Margot Robbie sure. was the only other person that yeah. made sense. I mean, um, that's a two horse race, so it doesn't really matter that much. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Lily Gladstone because she'll never be there again. 
Um, we'll see. Well, I mean, the, the SAG voting, the SAG awards will happen after voting closes, I believe, for the Oscars. So, like, it won't affect anything. Um, but like, it'll the give decision will have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you're saying it's going to win 11, pre, like Oppenheimer pre winning 11. Do you think it, it obviously wins screenplay? I mean, it's not going to win supporting actors. I don't think sure. it wins screenplay, actually. I think they I think American Fiction probably wins. American Fiction. Or Barbie. Or Barbie. I think American Fiction probably takes that. Maybe, yeah. Because I think they're going to want to get I mean, that's what I get. something. That's yeah. one for me. Um, but I, I think Oppenheimer's and is maybe the second least likely to win screenplay. Mm-hmm. Zone of Interest probably being the least likely, because it's just it's possible. Not a script heavy. Again, movie. and it's one of those things where, like, I guess it could. It, it, it will lose most of those nominations, but it could also be the Return of the King, where they're just like, yeah, and this. They could just like give a career achievement to Nolan and just give it to his whole movie. I do think yeah. it loses best sound as well. I think they'll give that to Zone of Interest because it's like one Oscar. It, it probably should. It probably should though. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think Oppenheimer is going to win like six. It's I think it'll fair. win director. It'll definitely win director. I don't think that's true. You know, it's just, yeah. you don't get that many. We talked about this. He's the most nom- nominated person. The last time a person that's been nominated that mo- that much and lost director was like 2012. Like, had a film get that uh-huh. many nominations. So there's like no shot. Was it a Martin Scorsese movie? Uh, Life of, the Irish so Life of Pi? Ugh. I thought Ang Lee won for that. He did win, but like he wasn't the most nominated, I don't think. Remember Ang Lee won for Life of Pi? Yeah. Yeah. What was the most nominated that year? Most nominated that year, and that's 2012. Um, so that week, that was the 85th Academy Awards. The most nominated was Lincoln that year oh, at 12, yeah. and so Spielberg lost to Ang Lee. So, I, I think this is more Oppenheimer is a bigger, more well-received movie than Lincoln. Than Lincoln so yeah. I think it's going to continue that reign of director that's gonna be a career thing i don't think it'll be i mean i don't think there's gonna be any surprises i think godzilla minus one getting nominated was great i think it wins i think it wins wins at this point which is which will be fantastic um you know i I guess the mission impossible um nomination was interesting because it's never been a mission impossible movie has never been nominated it was a weird nomination yeah Yeah. a weird nomination to just get sound yeah yeah uh yeah i I don't know nothing i saw there was like how dare you nominate these things Mm-hmm. Um, I was glad Society of Snow got two nominations. That was fun. Yeah. Um, really, only like Annette Benning's the only one that annoyed me. But like, even then, I wasn't really annoyed. I was like, yeah, it figures. It just, it was I, mean, I thought, it was I thought, bad. I thought Margot Robbie was going to get over. I thought it was going to be Carrie Mulligan that got knocked out. Mm. But. I mean, I think the Margot Robbie thing, I think, is interesting because, or, and the Greta Gerwig thing, because they're both. They both are nominated still. Like Greta Gerwig's nominated for adapted screenplay, and Margot Robbie is a producer picture, on Barbie. Yeah. So if like Barbie happens to win Best Picture, she's getting the award and she's giving the speech because she was a producer on that. So I mean, yeah. it's like Ben Affleck, you know, yeah, you can say the, the Argo thing. thing. Yeah, really, like, oh, he didn't get Best Director because it's a, the most basic movie ever. But it's also like. When he won, he won an Academy Award. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there's the, all the backlash does get Barbie to Best Picture, but Oppenheimer wins like everything else. Yeah, it would not I, surprise I think, me. I think Poor Things is more likely to be the, I, I, the movie I that hope wins Best Picture over. We'll talk about. See, it. I actually think that's I have so Barbie. I think is in there. I think well because there's and been a I lot, think the holdovers is the been, other one. There's been like this underground discussion that like Poor Things does what Barbie attempted to do, but better. Well, yeah. that's true. 
but like that's been a lot some of the discussion. So I, don't, I guess I don't, know, yeah. I don't know if that really gets into the voters. My, I, doubt I don't it think does. it does. But um, my guess is that poor things ends up in one of these situations where like it doesn't win anything. I think it wins. It wins. Well, it probably won't win makeup over Maestro. Um, yeah, because yeah, I like giving it him. It might not Produ- win production. Anyway. It could win production design. But uh, I could. See, but it's Barbie. I think Barbie's. I think those are neck some, and neck. Some yeah. Things, yeah. Um, and it, I just I think the award ceremony, if 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 none of these like uh, maybes happen, will you know, be, be a very a, basic. It's gonna be a bummer. Award ceremony when Downey Jr. wins. Yeah, no, that's gonna be a bummer. Should have won for Tropic Thunder. But Jamie Lee Curtis will be so happy. He should have won for Tropic. No, he should have won, won for Tropic. For Tropic no, that's Thunder. not true. Yeah, Michael Shannon should have won that year for yes. Revolutionary Road. But second should have been um, Robert Downey Jr. Get fucked, Heath Ledger. But it should be Sterling K. Brown, but that won't happen. So, um, that is that is the hottest of hot takes, Mario. <laughs> is it? It is. It is pretty hot. It's scorching, scorching. All right. Well, Speaking of hot takes, I believe it is the time that we do our own hot takes. <laughs> we tried to do this last week, but uh, it became deeply late into the night. <laughs> it became one o'clock in the morning. If that happens quickly. tonight, we uh, have made a terrible. If it happens tonight, I'm getting a divorce. So. <laughs> <laughs> you have all the time in the world. Put it. that right here. Um, we're going to do our, our top ten of the year. Did anyone, uh, you know, we've had some time to, to marinate. Any switches? I did make a, a couple of minor adjustments. Okay. Nothing nothing added or moved. Just, or left, but just kind of just changed position. Just moved around yeah. a little I was bit. doing movements during the show. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and... Just like as I was thinking about things, and I'm pretty happy mm-hmm. where everything yeah, is I, now. No, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I find it's easier to like yeah, talk I just, about them I just did one last change. Then, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, then it is one more change right like now. to think about them. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna do another change. I, you know what? I, I tried to do a thing this year. <laughs> I just need one more change. No, I'm done. For like every year, I, I have this discussion. Are we? I, I tried to do a mix of the best and my favorite. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Have we ever settled on what we're supposed to do? I, I do my favorite. No. Because you can't say... Because if we said best, it would be... What what, I mean, feels, what's your qualification yeah, for exactly, best? Yeah, exactly. It's like what we feel was the best main movie. Instead of the thing that I, makes I, us I feel factor like that in, an empanada. Like, we're a, like the oh, film yeah. is an empanada it, around it, It's us. probably like 75-25 for me. Like yeah. 75% my favorite, plus I factor in whether it was you a know high what? quality well, then movie. Fuck it. I tend to do... Fuck it. You I, know what I'm doing? I'm putting... I'm going to put one favorite... In there, and then everything else will be what I consider the best. Okay, go. go Feels like you're. Yeah, (laughs) from from 2022. Actually, yeah, reflecting, I should have put Halloween Ends in my top ten. Because you watched. Because I watch it a a decent amount. Yeah, I mean it's a bad. That's the thing. It's a bad movie. But I've watched it enough to where it definitely is one of my favorites of last well, year. Well, you've done that before. Not where you've put like something that you've said is a bad movie in there, but where you've put, like, what was it? Was Ready or Not in your top ten one year? Oh, but I think Ready or Not that's was a good one of the movie. best movies. Right, the but that's what I mean. Like, it's when we're, if you're, if you're taking well, our lists and you're, like, comparing them against, like, the consensus lists, like, out there, mm-hmm. um, they're going to look very, they're going to look very different. No one had Ready or Not on their. On their like best of list, you I'm know sure what I mean. Bloody disgusting, did. No, because I'm sure Bloody Disgusting had a bunch of horror movies that like were, no one ever had ever genre. seen. That they had to go into like a room with like a, a VHS <laughs> player and like you know the woman from Sensor was in sure the it was just that they are watching them. Um, 
Okay, oh. well, I threw one in there. I'm happy now. Good, I'm glad. Okay, good. You should. Okay. Do you want so to... I, I did make a change. I'll, I'll start. Is your number 10? No. The one you threw no, in? no, no, I moved it. I moved it pretty far up there. <laughs> <laughs> um, good. good. My number 10, I'm sure we will discuss... I would be shocked if we didn't discuss it later. I would actually check him for brain damage in the past week. Uh, my number 10 is Yorgos Lanthimos Poor Things. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I've had a real huge change of heart <laughs> since the last time we recorded. You just you had an existential just implosion and decided that the very sight of Mark Ruffalo makes you vomit. He saw it again in the theaters and just was screaming, no, no, it's not working. Um, yeah, no, and that's the thing. I, I, I think I don't emotionally resonate with this movie as I don't emotionally resonate with any Orgus Lansmos films. I don't particularly vibe with the... What's, what he's putting out there. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm a Greek guy. I think Greek filmmakers have <laughs> oh, a style maybe. of film hmm. that they do. And I can't really think of examples. But That's I've seen... An interesting theory. Like, like Eastern European, like Lower Eastern European, Baltic kind of like films mm-hmm. for that region. And there's a certain weirdness to them or a certain matter-of-fact storytelling to them I don't think I vibe with. Mm-hmm. Um, but from an artistic standpoint, I think this film's fantastic. I think Emma Stone is like the emotional core of it. You know, obviously one my best actress um it's it's a lot of fun to look watch to look at uh it does have its hiccups you know the jared carmichael stuff i know he's supposed to be a little more matter of a fact um in his portrayal but it just doesn't end up really working it mm-hmm. does lead to that great alexandria sequence um but no it's it's a visual treat and uh it logically follows itself and so from an artistic standpoint it's my number 10 there you go andy my number 10 is Anatomy of a Fall. I assume you, maybe you have it. Someone has it higher on the list. But no. No, you don't. Nope. I really uh, I really got on this film's level. Um, I like like sort of true crime stuff to begin with. So it kind of... It was almost like a peek behind the curtain. I really thought it was really well made. Really well acted. I like the pacing. Um, I really like the dialogue. I, th- I thought it was clever. And I just... I did not expect to like this movie at all going in. I was, mm. I was resistant to even watch it, just based on what I read, what it was about, and it really hit me. I really, really enjoyed that movie. I'm, I'm kind of in the same way. It was, <clears throat> it was, um, it, it wasn't ever on my top ten because um, I kind of make these lists a little bit differently. But I definitely was suspicious of it coming out of Cannes, and then like the longer it went on, I was like this. This just works like on every level, and then when you get to the big scene with like the you know the flashback with the two of them, yeah, um, you're just like I get I get what's happening here, and um, yeah, that's a good one. That's one of yeah. those ones that I think you were talking about like like stuff to watch. That movie plays like it has like all these thriller like elements, but doesn't satisfy. Its ending doesn't satisfy like a thriller. It satisfies like an indie drama where you're just kind of like I don't know. Yeah. But I was still felt I felt the movie like I thought about it for a long time after I was done with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that even the kids' performance was good. The dogs' performance is really good in that movie. Great job. So. <laughs> kind of, I, I enjoy it quite a bit. I mean, obviously, I had Sandra Huller and its screenplay mm-hmm. on my list. Yep. Yeah. My issue with it is, and I, I was thinking, I, I coined this earlier in today. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody accidentally was trying to write Hogwarts Legacy, and they re- wrote Howard's Legacy on uh, Reddit. And I thought about Howard's End. Hmm. And I've watched Howard's End multiple times. Um, like three times. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, every time I see it, I'm like, that's well made. Gone. And yeah. Just out of my brain. Anatomy of Fall kind of falls in that. Where I'm like, this is extremely well crafted. Very interesting. I'm on its level. This, I really can't 
time. I can't. Nothing hooked it into me yeah, to it, like it really, last afterwards. It really got it hooked into me, and I thought about yeah. it for a long time. Yeah, I think so. the thing that hooked me about it was just that, like, um, her in that conversation that they had was like the kind of revelation that, like, because they try to portray her as a monster, and even though she is like, but she does a really good job. She could play a monster, but if she she's needs to. right, right. So yeah, um, <laughs> she. I didn't find anything she was saying to her husband. Oh, she might show up on a list. There, oh, yeah, maybe. That's a possibility. <laughs> it started already. It's early. Um, I didn't say, think anything she was saying was particularly monstrous. And I, I, I kind of latched onto that as like one of those like really complex, ambiguous characters where like mm-hmm. it really depends on how like, you're... I'm, I really resist the idea of bringing like, personal experience into like watching a movie and that's why it works. But that's one of those things where... like just two creative people like having a discussion on like who gets to do what like in their creative lives and her just being like I feel like I'm like here and you're here and so I should be allowed to do this and I was just like that makes a lot of sense to me like so and I don't think she's capable of killing her husband so like I just think that her life you know doesn't mm. matter but yeah it def- I definitely um uh, I definitely agree with um, a lot of what you're saying my number 10 um, is a movie that we talked about very briefly when we did um, our categories it's um Charlotte Levon's Falcon Lake. Um, Didn't get a chance to see it over the week. Nope. We, yeah, we all had stuff going on. Like, <laughs> we weren't like jamming through like additional 2023 <laughs> movies. Um, I've become really, um, if you've been kind of you know monitoring these lists and like the various categories, I've become really into the idea of like uh, um, childhood and like the films that best represent childhood. And I think this film. Along this with that, with the drowning. I yeah, think. along with that movie Away. Remember that animated movie Away? I, what? Maybe that guy was Greek too. I forget his name. Although I, I had it like I in there for a long time. It. But it was a yeah. it was a, a movie with just music. There was no vocals in it, and there was just a kid. And he like there there suggested there was a plane crash, and he ended up in this place, and it's like this fantastical world. And he's given like these tools, like a video game, and he just kind of has to go like find like a way out of like the situation that he's in. And it like kind of really um, spoke to me in. That idea of like you know you're you're a kid and you have no idea what's going on but you know you're supposed to like go forward like every day you're supposed to go forward and this movie really articulates this moment in kids' lives where they can act like adults. People sometimes treat them like adults, but they are still little kids. Mm-hmm. And these two characters, Sophie and Bastion, or Chloe and Bastion, are both kind of like trying to find their way, like that sweet spot of what it means to be a kid and what it means to be like a grown-up and that means sex that means drinking um that means like doing adult activities that means um you know making choices taxes um yeah no it's europe or it's canada so taxes are probably easier in canada Mm. just take all of them waiting in an er yeah yeah for a non-elective surgery (laughs) fucking trudeau um so it's falcon lake is one of those movies that like Saw it in the middle of the year, like the the summer, and it was like one of those first movies that I had like a handful of movies on my list, like for my top ten. I was like that, and just kind of kept going down. I just kind of kept waiting for it to fall off, and it never did because it it was so affecting. So that's my my number ten is Falcon Lake. My number nine is a movie that I'm sure we will talk about further up on my list, so I won't go crazy. It's Sean Durkin's The Iron Claw. Um, we talked a little bit about before the, maybe when the podcast was on, about um, how we do these things. Actually, we were talking about it while the podcast is on, how we do these things. I tend to rank these things um, in tier. So Falcon Lake is, is kind of a surprise. Um, I, if someone was just like, I don't think that movie is very good, I, I guess I would kind of get it. Um, 
these next groups are all like emotional things for me and Iron Claw was like a big emotional experience I thought I had no expectations for this movie going in even though I think Sean Durkin's a good director you know Zac Efron in a dramatic performance um, I had no idea how they were going to use Jeremy Allen White um, yeah because when we had seen him in um, was it extremely close the Ted Bundy film like he oh, oh Zac Efron yeah, yeah, yeah he did yeah. not nail that um and it's a wrestling movie. And wrestling movies are, are in some ways, um, they present as formulaic. And this movie, in some ways, does present as a little formulaic. But it also, like, breaks a lot of those contrivances um, with, like, a deep, deep emotional core, which most movies can't even, can't mm-hmm. even touch. Um, it's fo- yeah, it's focus, too. It's really, and it, I just thought it was, I was impressed by how, like, along with being emotionally moved by it, I was impressed by how well done. It's, like, how well... Um, executed its craft was. So, mm-hmm. number nine, The Iron Claw. My number nine, I don't know if it's higher on your list, is uh, Bottoms. Ah! We can talk about this together. Oh, nice. It's my number nine as well. Good work, Excellent. guys. Um, Moving this. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I really adored this movie. And I think it's going to be a movie I'm going to watch a lot in the future. Um, it's funny. It's interesting. It's smart. Uh, well acted. It's got some off parts, but... Yeah, and not I, not much. I think the thing that that really hooked me about this film is it is, has like that magical realism um, that you know it demands you enter its kind of enter its world. Yeah, it, but once, once very, you get on its vibe, once you but it, it's yeah. really I think natural in terms of getting you on its vibe. Mm-hmm. I think that's that script by Rachel Senate and um, Emma Sigmund C.C. Sigmund is just so earnest with itself that it kind of puts you there yeah it good. demands you be there and it's like because it itself owns it yeah i think i said never this, tries to explain well, when we reviewed it I, I showed up probably like two minutes late but i didn't know what to expect when i got into this movie i sat down and i'm like what is going on and then they go into like the classroom and there's a football player to cage i'm like oh i see what we're doing now and they're all dressed up in full football gear i'm like okay now i see what we're doing and i just just strapped right in and just had a really good time yeah, I, I like you know it. Uh, it was one of my. I mean, Marshawn uh, Lynch my... was phenomenal in just the parts that he was in. Uh, it just great yeah, it was, joy. It was my Ooh. third best original screenplay of the year, um, and that's that's probably what really hits me. I think a lot of my films here that are in my top are all script heavy films. Yeah, I don't I don't uh, think this movie made any of my other categories, but it's one of my favorite movies of the year. So. I made a, a few of mine. Yeah, um, but no, yeah, it's, it demands it be on your level and. It has very simple construct, like yeah. like the the intent is very simple, mm-hmm. but the wildness of the world around it is what adds the meat to that. Bone. And I think it executed it really. Yeah, well. exactly, and it's concise, which I think in a year where <laughs> a lot of movies are obtuse in a lot of ways, this was very concise, very direct and to the point. My number eight, going in reverse alphabetical order from bottoms, um, is Blackberry, which once again I'm sure. We will speak of again. Uh, yeah, just just once again, a, an incredibly tight screenplay for you know from Johnson for a 120 minute movie. It flies by. It had one of my favorite performances of the year in Glenn Howerton, even though he's playing obviously a character. I mean, he says, I mean, I guess it is the real guy, but watching it, it feels like a character. Um, just the energy that he brings to that yeah. role and playing so well. 
off of um, Jay Burchill, who's you know kind of playing that typical Jay Burchill role, um, but a little meeker. And yeah, it, a little it, meeker, but like the the, the chemistry between those two, like, they it's, really it's so well dynamic yeah. and explosive. Um, and Johnson's like really good at kind of filming those quiet, like kind of the explosions that happen in kind of quiet. Yeah, whenever Howard loses his shit. Yeah, yeah. So well, well, you know, you go back to his first film, um, which I'm forgetting. The Dirties. Right the Dirties, exactly. Uh, kind of that. You, have you ever seen the Dirties? It's, it's you phenomenal. Know, incredibly quiet until it's very explode until emotionally becomes very explosive at its end, and this has that kind of moments, kind of so eloquently paced throughout of emotional explosions in terms of kind of this fire of a human being combined with the anxiety of both the operation of the business and the anxiety of, you know, Johnson's character and of Burchill's character. And that kind of tremor that plays throughout, it kind of keeps you engaged throughout yeah. the 100, 120 minutes. So that's my number eight. I Honestly, I, I, I've seen this movie a whole bunch. I did not know it was 120 minutes. It doesn't I think feel that a, long. I think it's around 120 It doesn't minutes. feel that long when I watch it, so that's that's great. I mean, they ha- they, they added, what, an hour or two, and they yeah, had to make it into three? I, I need to see that AMC mini that they made it into, the miniseries. Because they added, like, 20 or 30 minutes of footage. But um, my turn, number eight? Yep. My number eight is Sean Durkin's Iron Claw. So, um... You just talked about it a whole bunch, but um, I didn't know what to expect going into this movie. Um, I thought it was super melodramatic in a good way. I thought it almost came off as like TV movie vibes, but in all the best possible ways because it stayed focused Mm -hmm. and it was like elevated and the emotional toll it it brought on me was extreme, but it felt good. In a good way? Yeah. Like, I, I really felt connected to the movie, which I really didn't expect to feel in a wrestling movie. I so. didn't either. I just wanted it to be good. Yeah. I wanted to not... I wanted to enjoy myself. For... It's, so, it's a movie I recommend to a lot of people, too. Like, that people ask me, like, what you've seen recently, and I'm just like, you should go see the Iron Claw. Just don't don't expect to be in a good mood when you leave. If you want to be super sad, go see the Iron Claw. But it, it's really... Like, it's emotionally draining, but it's really, really well-crafted. Yeah. That um that the recommendation thing I think is is key for me with this uh, my next two anyway, my number eight is American Fiction. I've literally been telling everybody like now that it's a little wider. Yeah, I have to. Um, they're like, oh, have you seen American Fiction? I'm like, yes, you have to see it. It's I mean, it's if you want to wait, you can wait, but like you should see it there too because it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming it's on both of your list, so I won't like waste a ton of time on it. Um, again, I had no idea like what this film was going to be Agreed. going into it. Um, I like Jeffrey Wright. I really like Sterling K. Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Tracy Ellis Ross, so I was sad that she died so quickly. Um, but this movie kind of lived up to all of my expectations. Um, it, it, or not expectations, but like all of my hopes of what a film like this could be. It was funny in just the right way. It was open-ended in just the right way. It used Issa Rae, who was another one of those actresses who I just like love seeing and yeah. stuff. She handled herself I would like to see her perfectly. a little funnier in it, but but it was fine. She was more right. of a good role. Like, but I think it, it worked. If you think about it, she had to be a straight man in a yeah, kind of like she has to. But she's chaos. so funny in real life, right? And she's like, yeah. um, it's just it's. I think it it hits all of those beats. It did everything like it's, like an adult comedy like should be doing. It was my favorite screenplay of the year. Yeah, like, I thought it was just perfectly um, well made. And I think you know movie studios should kind of take notice and make more grown up <clears throat> movies, you know things like that. Um, 
another one, same thing. Uh, my number seven is Dream Scenario. Um, Christopher Borgley. Um, it, I had less expectations because I didn't even really know what this movie is, but I had a free day and he was playing there, so I went to see it. Um, hit all, like um, perfectly calibrated emotions here. Um, I thought all the craft behind it um, was perfectly executed. It tried to be to thread a needle, I think, between being like an Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind type movie, a Michael Gondry type thing, and being something like more like adult and visceral and less silly, like mm-hmm. have more meaning about it. I thought the idea of like um, framing this as a movie about like cancel culture was just really smart. I thought it was like way smarter than it had any right to be because we talked a little bit about when we reviewed it. I really think it's just about like how we perceive ourselves. Um, and it like in it filtered that idea through the lens of like popular culture and like how it moves and yeah. and feeds off of you and spits you out and gives you all these opportunities to like take a breath and be like maybe this but like you never kind of got there until like the very end and that very end is one of the is like one of my favorite endings of um of the year so the ending was fantastic he Nick, was good. And, Nick Cage's performance, I thought, was one of his best in years. Yeah, it's and it's and it, it was well, very. This isn't on your list. It, it just missed my list. It's very. Was, I know it's not on yours. It's a very satisfying performance, um, in that it doesn't do. He doesn't. He doesn't lose it ever. Yeah. He stays really focused, and Which we said I, focus I like. a lot, but it's he, he but stays you, really you focused. Could feel it bubbling underneath, though, and it was, right. Yeah, yeah. I felt it, but he didn't have to show it. Yeah, it, didn't, it, was, it didn't just dump out of him yeah. at some point. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think the film has its own unique weirdness to where like, him staying grounded while this kind of world erupts around him is, is enough. It's right. not like Mandy where both the world and him can explode. And yeah. that you know, is driven by the intent. This movie demands that he kind of stays mm-hmm. bubbling constantly. And it's because... his gut. It's because I think the directing is so, and the craft is so strong that they don't need him to do it to execute in some of these moments. Like when it needs to be a little bit scary, like when we go into nightmare time, he can do that stuff. When he needs to just kind of be there, he can do that stuff. When he needs to be like humiliated, he can do that he, stuff. He did that really good. But the, and the film is doing it with the film is doing it with him. It's not I, just him yeah. doing yeah. like and carrying if, all the weight. And if he ex- had that explosion of a Nicolas Cage thing, it would be a betrayal of the character. Agreed. So, right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. What's your number seven, Andy? Yeah, I assume this is not on your guys' list because it hasn't showed up yet. But uh, and it's fallen down on my list quite a bit. Is uh, Oppenheimer? Um, still love this movie. Um, just I've seen a lot of stuff that I like a lot better than it. I've rewatched it. It still holds up. Still really like it. Um, it is really long. <laughs> um, but the first like two thirds of the movie are phenomenal. Some of the best filmmaking I've seen in a while. What? Just the fact that when we reviewed this film, and I said, the first two hours of this film are great. The last hour of this film is too much. And you just ran up there and said, oh. no. No, I, it's I, I, said, I didn't say it's bad. the last hour is bad. I didn't say it was, I'm like, yeah, I think it's bad. But I, That's not what I'm saying. You definitely defended it quite hard. I, I still will. I still liked all that stuff. I, I don't think it needed to be quite as long. I just don't think he's trying to get in... And Oppenheimer is one of those confounding movies. I can't wait for it to come out on Peacock so I can spend like some time with it because I only saw it the one time, and then it goes by and just kind of like parts of that were really overwhelming, and then parts of that function like the end of Interstellar, but like it was in like a congressional like 
hearing room and I'm just like I don't know if those two things like the feeling or like that film aesthetic and this moment like warrant those two things yeah um, and that was for me that was like the the balancing act of Oppenheimer was how to like how to process that yeah and I think it did walk the line and I think it it worked and that's why I, I gave it my best editing because the editing really made it work because if they lingered on the courtroom stuff too much it could have been super boring but they he would bounce back and forth and like keep lively show like they bring something in court then show it back like what happened what mm-hmm. really happened and things like it, I think I think it was just it was a phenomenally crafted movie oh no you always feel like it's moving forward it moves even like really quickly even when it's you know when it's two and a half hours in and you're just kind of like I don't know where this is gonna go but like I don't know where they're gonna end up here but it, it they do keep generating like it's like a self-generating machine yeah, so, yeah. agreed so continuing that trend of films that came out in the halfway point of the year that we were effusive about, um, you and I, uh, that have fallen down my list, but still solidly in my top ten, and continuing my backwards alphabeticalness, my number seven's Barbie. Oh, oh nice. Um, yeah, I'm not going to talk about really why it fell down. There's just more movies that are higher than it that kind of responded to me more on a personal level. Mm-hmm. I think... The initial reaction I had to Barbie and calling it like one of the best films I'd one, the best film I'd seen in several years was entire was so heavily experience based mm-hmm. that upon rewatching it Agreed. alone, yep, um, or it, with, it is, it is my next movie too. By yeah. the way, so if you want to, yeah, so just uh, well, yeah, we're, we're or when it comes back around, but yeah, yeah. Um, th- that experience of watching it with, in a in a theater full of mothers with like their daughters because it was an eight o'clock Saturday showing mm-hmm. um, was more was, was profoundly impactful for mm-hmm. me um, from a craft standpoint though like it's a phenomenal film um, it's got so much rewatchability too it, yeah it's, it's an incredibly it's rewatchable a, movie it's a fun it's, movie I, I rewatching it though you do feel this net of safeness Yes. Kind of around it. Agreed. I, it, it didn't feel that way when I saw not, the theater, and it yeah, does now. Yeah. It is safely biting. It is biting in the way that is acceptable, still in the kind of public eye. And I think without that Mattel Warner Brothers kind of net around it, mm-hmm. there's a, a very messy, a messier film, mm-hmm. but a much more interesting movie. I just, I. I completely agree with you. I think that's really like that's a gold star point. But I don't even know if it's if it's Mattel Warner Brothers or if she thinks she if Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach think that like hipsterism is or like attacking hipster like the hipster male like thing is the same as attacking like 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 a broader established patriarchy, you know what I mean? Because exactly. like when they're when they're turning returning the Barbies over, every single one of those moments isn't something isn't a universal thing. You know what I mean? There are a very narrow scope of masculinity that they are looking at. And I think one of the things that yeah. I found really interesting and in listening to Greta Gerwig talk about this on the WTF podcast is that she was like, Oh, everybody knows a person who like like would talk about the Godfather in that way. It's like I I do know some people that would talk about the Godfather in that way. And it is a very narrow uh, scope of, like, the people that I know. You know what I mean? It's not, like, everybody. Like, if my parents saw Barbie, and they have no... They've never met one of those... I mean, they have, because they've met me. Mm-hmm. But, like, 
they're not listening to that. They're not seeing that scene and, and seeing a reflection of maleness. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, they might just be seeing a reflection of like modern culture. Well, that's, that's type what I found, you know what what I found mean? interesting on in the rewatch is, you know, when they're talking about the Robert Evans film system. Right. Or the stuff of pavement. It's like, yeah, that's a sign of like the hipster masculinity or his, hipster man, what a hipster man would do. Uh-huh. They would do it to fucking anybody. Like, the number of times I've had to listen to some fucking hipster talk about something I don't give a shit about... Fuck yeah, man. Yeah. ...is constant. Yeah. It's just, that's just the case of being a hipster. But, you guys, but this movie, what it did is it, it was like an amalgamation of all oh, t- different types of masculine issues. So that's oh, why that's... there's like the truck stuff, there's the, sure. the horse stuff, there's oh. the wanting to be in power... Um, I can I can be a surgeon, for, right? Like, for sure, and, and like like, it like does it's not cover, just it's not just skewering does, hipster does, masculinity. Well, I think I think that's you the, guys just took it personally, maybe. No, no, I didn't take it personally at all. I just think that's the one thing where it gets a little more direct, and it, it's it's interesting and funny. Um, it's just there's a lot of other broad strokes in terms of masculine, like toxic masculinity, that I don't think get as much coverage as I would personally like. And you know, once again, not. a a theater full of people that had yeah, no, a it, real impact on it. It gets done like, better in poor things, which we can talk about later. So. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 well, and that's the thing. Like, I guess for me personally, because this is a, you know, the personal assessment of a list, as you'll see about a movie I have high up my list. Um, Does it have a C in the, as the first letter? Or are they all B ones after poor things? <laughs> yeah. uh, and honestly, that, that kind of ties right over to my number six movie, mm-hmm. which kind of for me, is, is a kind of a better reflection of um, that drive of moving away from the toxic masculinity. And that's the Iron Claw. Nice. Um, you know, I think, I think the Iron Claw is, is a really solid film in terms of generational um, trauma. And, and, and ge- toxic masculinity. And toxic again. masculinity. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Um, you know, you have you know, an incredible performance from um, Holt McClowney. McClowney he, he's has he, he's just, so good. You know, Fritz von Erich, who apparently that's how Fritz von Erich was, just driving constant competition, deriding any sort of artistic endeavors. Um, And, you know, this this film casts him as like an entire shadow over it. And at its core, you know, it is a film about brothers Mm -hmm. um, who, you know, have the shared love of wrestling. If it was naturally ingrained in them, or you don't know, I mean, not all of them have a shared love for wrestling, you know, obviously Mike didn't. but had the shared thing and the shared passion just, just about being brothers. And that was, you know, this unique vulnerability between all of them um, that, you know, this kind of shadow kept beating down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it beat down on them so much that each of them kind of broke in their own way um, until eventually, you know, Zach Efron's David's able to break from it. Until and he has able no to more show, brothers. And able to show, he's, you know, able to cry in front of his children and say it's okay to cry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the arc that that film follows is just, I responded to yeah. a lot more in terms of, as a man, and like, that, that scope of like, what masculinity really is. Because mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. a, a history of a person who mm-hmm. displayed that sort of masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, towards me, and you know, it, so it rung kind of very true. I'm sorry, that's yeah, fine. It rung very true to me. Um, that you know, like that moment where he's able to cry, and like his kids are just like, Boy, we don't think I, we don't care. We're just here to comfort you. You know, that's it's, <laughs> it's, it's we don't have your film, your dad is not our dad. Yeah, and that film, Thankfully, yeah, and that film does everything in its way to kind of earn that. 
You yeah. know, it, and it drives home the brotherhood, the unity between them. It never inserts this kind of like fake division between them. There's the, obviously the jealousy over who is going to win the NWA title, but it's always resolved. It's always just on that professional level and never dwells deeper than that. Right. And I think it's an incredible film that just earns its emotion mm-hmm. all the way through. Yeah. What was your number six? Andy? It's Barbie. So we just talked about it. So you can you can have it. You sure? Yeah. My number six is uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, it got knocked off by my fun movie. That was my number ten. Originally. We've uh, it we've was moved close to my list. into like the experience based uh, portion of my list where I you know movies three and a half hours long. It was one of those movies that felt three and a half hours long, mm. but it was also like really kind of incredible that it was three and a half hours long, um, and I was interested the entire time. Um, I think it's you've got great performances um, across the board here, you know, minus like a Robert De Niro doing old Robert De Niro things. Um, it's surprising. Um, it makes surprising turns. Um, it is, I think, a more interesting adaptation of the book than was originally proposed. It's, I think it's more interesting um, than the book. Is it? I just don't care about like. The foundation, the, the, foundation, FBI, like the, the FBI. FBI, like that stuff doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, my favorite part of the movie were Jesse Plemons. So, but so. This, I think it's the Jesse Plemons stuff. I think is so. That's really interesting thing to say because it's so. It's such a different movie. It is when he when they all show up and the FBI shows up and that crew is like running around town. You're like, this is the, like it's two movies, it, but they're not. They're not like smashed together. Like when Jesse Plemons shows up at. Um, you know, uh, Ernest's and uh, house, Leonardo DiCaprio and, and Lily Gladstone's house. Like, it's you it knew something kind of was American you knew something was coming. Yeah, I mean, he essentially did. <laughs> um, you, and he, it's it's like a perfect scene, and they play perfectly off each other. And Love then scene. the rest yeah. of the movie just kind of goes in that way, and it's just it's so it plays as this like deeply spiritual like think yeah. piece that Martin Scorsese's been spending like the last twenty years making, but also. Like a kick ass, like in the end, yeah, kick ass. It, it, finally, it finally got momentum when he showed up. It's, it's a different momentum, though. Yeah, but, I agree. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's not an emotional momentum, yeah. it's a um, physical momentum. So, Killers of the Flower yeah. Moon. And then my number five is uh, fucking Godzilla minus one. And this Same. was the hardest, this is the hardest flip for me. My number four, it's my number my, five. It's my number five, also. Uh, oh, awesome. Um, not on my list. Both. Whoa, really? What? Wow. See you that, later. I am surprised by that. So you are a stranger. I mean, we established <laughs> that you didn't know who you were at the beginning of the thing. Um, Godzilla Minus One just was the fucking best time. Yeah, I can't wait to watch time. this movie again. Oh, no, I can't it's a lot wait for streaming. Um, and it, I had a smile on my face the whole time. This edge, is a movie that kept rising on my list since the last week, since we talked about it a lot last, last week. And I it had, just kept rising. It was uh, like number so eight, good. and now it's five, just because I just kept thinking about it more, um, more The craft is so good. The story in the middle of it is so good. Um, just it all the Godzilla its, scenes rule. doesn't take itself too seriously while also being like a very serious movie. You know what I mean? It's yeah, a melodrama, but it's like an expertly made melodrama. And it's also fun somehow. Yeah, it's fun while like being simultaneously like really sad. Like if, you yeah. know, spoiler alert, like she wasn't alive at the end, it still would have kicked ass. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even though it had like that, that cost in it. Um, it, it still, still has that awesome. cost of like the radiation stuff. Like, well, we don't know yet. Radi- you don't know what it is, but, it, but you can kind there's of... There's that cloud over right. it sort of thing. Um, but it was just... I, again, we just went to it because we were really into Godzilla movies, and it was like overwhelmingly great. Yeah, I'm I'm not really into Godzilla movies, and this movie swept me off my feet. So that's I mean I don't. This movie works without Godzilla. 
Like it, it does. Godzilla is like it could have been anything, but he is like the the linchpin to make it like over the top. What if Godzilla came in Killers of the Flower Moon and just <laughs> toiled down, tore down all the oil derricks? Oh. Better or worse? Looked at way king, better. Looked at King of like, what kind of American are you? <laughs> way way better. And then and then Robert De Niro's character just sat it down in a chair and explained how this works, and yeah. I was just like, "You're right. Uh, all right." Uh, well, I want Godzilla to bite Robert De Niro's I, face off. I want to own oil rights too. <laughs> <laughs> No, what's your number five? So my number five, uh, just I think this is gonna be a, t- a timeless film. It's gonna be a, ho- a great holiday film. Um, it's a lot of fun. I'm pretty sure it's gonna be on your list. Yeah, we, it's near, your number four, so we can kind of share that conversation. It's the holdovers. Yep. Um, Fucking love this movie. Easily my favorite Alexander Payne movie since Sideways. I prefer Sideways still. I think I think this is the best movie. I think side so Sideways carries a lot of West Coast to it that I think I respond to. Sure. I mean, Sideways felt dirtier. This one was just... No, for so, sure. felt so... Like, it was like a warm hug. Yeah, and that's... Everything about this... That's what I appreciate about this movie. It's, it's warm. It's comfortable. You know, it's... Even though it has, like... It's an R-rated movie, but it does feel constantly... R-rated. <laughs> Fucking break. <laughs> yeah, because they said fuck a lot. Yeah. Well, it's, we were... And I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. We were having this conversation about, like, American fiction because Nick, uh, my wife really wanted to see American fiction. She's like, could we bring the... Why is it rated R? I was like, because they say fuck all the time. There's, like, a little bit of cocaine use. And one fake shooting. shooting. And, like, that's it. Yeah. And it's the same thing with this movie where it's, like, yeah. there's one pornography magazine very briefly and they this, say This is fuck. literally a family movie. This, this yeah, is a fucking absolutely. break. Uh, yeah, and that's... I, I, I would agree with you. It's, it's a warm hug of a film... Um, you know, you have your, it, it follows kind of that holiday movie tropes of that curmudgeon old man. But he does his... it better than anyone I've ever oh, seen absolutely. do it. Uh, this is my favorite Paul Giamatti performance ever. Like, it's, it's his, I, I would, it's his I same character agree. from Sideways, but like grown up. I would, I would agree. It's, it's probably my favorite. And I, I'm a big, I mean, John Adams is my favorite Paul Giamatti performance, but. Okay. Uh. In terms Cinderella of man, <laughs> the one thing he was he, nominated for—he was for, nominated right? for that. Well, until now, uh, but it follows that classic trope of an old curmudgeonly, older curmudgeonly because he's not that old, older curmudgeonly man who has a history of like, not really trauma, but a history of some being wronged constantly. Mm-hmm. Who you know, self-conscious. Who meets like, this kind yeah. of like younger force and, and of excitement? But he but he also sees had. a lot of him in the kid. yeah. No, that's yeah. what I'm saying. A younger force of what he was, and that breaks that shell and allows him finally to move on. Mm-hmm. You carry that with you know, uh, Divine Joy Randolph's just performance. amazing performance, like, kind of carrying somebody. Who, she like, carries the emotional weight like, of the movie. Giamatti's yeah. dealing with this thing he considers a great slight and a great trauma to himself. But really, in the big scope of things, it's just a very personal experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, you know, the kid, you know, being kind of turned away by his mother, um, and you know, and everything with his Randolph, father, like, yeah, and, and losing her son, yeah. uh, who had like this just huge possibility in front of him, uh, pointlessly in a dumb war. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like like those two things sandwiched around him give him perspective to where he's just able to, you know, move forward and move on. And, mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's kind of what you want to see kind of in a traditional classic holiday film. Yeah, I adore, it follows I adore all those tropes, movie. But it's smart, it's snappy, it's funny. The, the, the screenplay is phenomenal, too. First time screenwriter, like, it won my best screenplay. So. I liked it. I fought Ooh. against, I fought against my number, my number four. Oh, for like the last five or six months. Hmm. Kept falling down the list, but I keep keep rewatching it. 
keep having a lot of fun with it. Would I ever call it one of the best movies of the year oh, in this, terms of... Is the one that popped on your list? Yeah. Okay. Would I ever call it one of the best films of the year in terms of the most well-made? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. But would I call it one of my favorite movies in a long time mm-hmm. in terms of how much fun I have with it? Of course. Can you guess? Scream 6. It is... I just wrote Scream 6 down. Radio Silences t- Scream 6. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was surprised this dropped off, and I'm glad yeah, it made it back no, onto your I, list. I've seen this Me movie. Too. I've seen this movie eight times. Yeah, I know you love this movie. But why t- did you drop it off? Yeah, because I, I always have this struggle with myself. Like I'm not going to be taken seriously. By who? If I, I don't know. Or well, when you guys see consistent listeners <laughs> coming up for me, I mean, come uh, on. have you seen our like the numbers for like the times when we do horror movies? It's like add forty people. I know. No, uh, this this follows. I mean, for one thing, it, it, it subverts kind of its tropes in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It has a traditionally great opening, and it subverts that tropes with you know just what Scream fans have wanted for. I called this. We, when we got out of yeah, it, the Avengers will, Endgame, Endgame of Scream of, movies, of Scream films. It, it ties all of them together. It ties everything together, and if it's the last of these movies be, until Spyglass loses the rights, you know, so be it. It's a perfect conclusion to it. I agreed. We get a great ending arc of you know the the Carpenter sisters being like, "Fuck this, so move on from our lives," and it's just it consistently fun. It's mm-hmm. never trying to be anything else, yeah. but fun. Yeah, and it has. It brings new things. It still plays on old tropes, but yeah, in new it ways. Has, it's it's just it's really well done. I like really you say, like Dermot Mulroney's bad in the ending, and I agree. <laughs> but he's so ferociously over the top. Yeah. as a killer, like it's such a funny sentence. So, <laughs> Laurie Metcalf, when she like is revealed as a killer, is kind of like slightly si- over the top, but she's still trying to be serious. Mulroney doesn't yeah, give a shit. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's just like. I'm crazy. Like the like when they say like you did this, he's like, of course, of course. <laughs> I've been crazy this whole time. You yeah, idiot. he's like, it's clearly me. He's never had an opportunity to do that before. They're always just like, no, no, just do Dermot Mulroney things. He's like, but I'm on New Girl. It's like, yeah, as Dermot Mulroney. Yeah, no, and he's not. He's like never like Dermot Mulroney, and he's just like unhinged. He's like doing a Matthew Lillard sort of thing from Scream. Um, no, it's it's just a it's a charisma bomb of a movie for me. Like mm. Lisa Barrero, who was not really that good. She at wasn't all very screen. good in five. She's no. not good in In the Heights. Um, no. I don't think anybody was all that good in In the Heights. But like uh, she's the main guy. She like carries yeah, the shit okay. out of this movie. Like she shows like a lot of charisma in this. I thought. Personally. No, I, I like what she says. I don't when, know what happened because she's like, like a this, completely different actress in this than she was in yeah. Scream Five. There is there is moments in this that are just a lot of fun. She mm-hmm. actually like, had like charisma. She felt natural. She felt so like out of place in Scream Five. Almost every scene she was in, like next to that beginning. That was me. Next to that beginning sequence that you know, which ranked on my list. Uh, well, it was my. Was it my number one? Uh, I don't remember. Was it my number one? It was my like number three. No, it was. It was not my number one. Moment. Of course it wasn't. Um, but like that, the entire sequence where <clears throat> Jenna Ortega's Tara drops down and says, die a fucking virgin. Mm-hmm. And then like, Melissa Barrero's like, smile. Like, crazy smile. And she says, guess you're down another brother. Uh, <laughs> it's just, just great. And it just is, it is everything a Scream fan wants. Mm-hmm. And it's also just legitimately a fun horror film. Yeah. Very fun movie. Good. I'm glad you put it on here. I'm, I am too. I, I would have been. Alexander upset. Payne punched the wall. Actually, as you were like doing this, I was like, "This is going to be weird. This is going to be Mario's weirdest list." Because you usually do, like we were saying, you like make sure to represent like this aspect of your your like your taste mm. is always on the list. So, well, usually it's like ten though. Like Fallout was ten. 
Mission Impossible Fallout. Yeah, but no. you know, oh, is that what dropped off? No, that was from years ago. Oh, was oh, I meant, I meant the new, the Dead Reckoning. Yeah, that's right. Oh no, I just no Dead Reckoning was mid. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I just watched this movie, so I know I'm going to watch this movie like yeah. three more times this year. So, um, my number four is The Holdovers. We just talked about it. Love it. Um, gonna, it's a movie I'm going to watch a lot. I've already watched it twice. So mm-hmm. I, I like it. I've watched it twice, and I, it's not like I have no special feelings for it. Okay. I think it's well made and like good and funny. And but I do. I, it's one of those things where I can anticipate being. Feels like, like you, you, you come from a good family life, so I appreciate it more. Coming <laughs> now from <laughs> you know what? It feels <laughs> like you're way more grounded. You know what somebody than I. said about the holdovers that I agree with. If cable television was still a thing, mm-hmm. it's that perfect oh, movie yeah, to jump into yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. and like watch for sure. like twenty to thirty minutes and jump. You out. know what my problem with the holdovers is not even like and I say problem like with, a, with a, some air quotes there is that like I really like so you say it's better than Sideways or people are saying it's better. I think Sideways is one of the great movies. Oh, so I, like it's I just mean, not. I, I agreed. With it's you. not. I think he's better. I think it's it's. I'm not an Alexander Payne fan. Like I think Election is a fucking abomination. Like on the culture, and uh. I can't wait. I don't know what's. I hate like the descendants. Right, and so he's like he's one of those guys, and we talked about this when we did the original thing. Like he's one of those guys. Like when his films work, I appreciate them. Downsizing is unfairly maligned. It's just okay. It's better than people say. Yeah, it's too much. It's too like premise heavy. But it Um, is okay, and it's in Matt Damon's phase where I don't like anything he does. That's fair. Where he's like his acting is weird. We're not. You were not the informant fan. No. Suburbicon. He figured out he's like good young Matt Damon phase, and then long weird trying to act Matt Damon phase, and then supporting with Interstellar, yeah. he becomes like supporting. He's gonna be guy? like a yeah. guy, yeah. Like in the Martian, he works. Really yeah, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just put him in space. Mm-hmm. Just keep him in space. Just don't make him like make him like the. I the, forgot that space scene <laughs> in Oppenheimer. <laughs> oh yeah, he's really good in Oppenheimer. <laughs> he's great in Oppenheimer. <laughs> That's the thing. Matt Damon had a great year. Um, because he was great in air too, for the oh, same yeah. he, reason. He, he delivered he was the really stupidest speech of the year, and he was like, "I get that I movie get is it. corny as hell, but I I still like." Even it. stupid Ben <laughs> Affleck is good in it. My number four yeah. is the movie that's kind of like your movie, um, Scream Six. Scream Six, where I just watch it. I watch it like a million times because now it's on Netflix. Is Spider Man Across Spider Verse? It is an over. It's kind of like a, it's exactly it's like, like Godzilla. 13, yeah, I flipped those two like a bunch of times, um, but. Th- Spider-Man Across Spider-Verse has an emotional component that Godzilla doesn't lack, but it just doesn't, like, it's not constructed to have. Um, how it deals with family, how it deals with friendship, how it deals with belonging. Um, it's really deep. It's really long. There's this great villain character, which, like, that's what my appreciation. I really like the Jason Schwartzman performance. I like the Spot character, like, upon seeing it, upon rewatching it. It just kind of builds, you know what I mean? And you get to see more um, of the situation from his perspective. And... Um, I think it's just great. I think all the voice acting is good. The music is great. Like the, both the needle drops and the score. Um, it You can kind of... It riffs on all these like different movies and all these different styles. Um, I think yeah, I think the one thing that was holding it off of my list for sure is it definitely feels like half a film still. Oh, for sure. Uh, like, the, unlike, exactly what I Unlike something like Infinity yeah. War, which feels like a complete narrative. And I uh, hate uh, to be like... I mean, oh, fuck it. Just use Infinity War. That feels like a complete narrative even though it's even one though half Even though it was of it. half of it. Like, right. I remember Hal thought Infinity War was the last Marvel movie. And he like came up to me and was like, well, they ended it that way? That's pretty ballsy. And I was like, oh, no, there's another movie. And Don't got, like, worry. So that will all come back because of time travel. He got so bummed. And I'm, in retrospect, happy about that. Um, 
Yeah, and that's I, I think like when I see this as a whole, it's going to be like one of the, hopefully you know beyond beyond yeah, Spider Verse. Yeah, hope it sticks the landing. If it does, then I think like it's going to be like one of the great. Yeah, it, it'll movies. elevate it. I think it'll be, and that's what I think I what I said like was the pantheon. that like it seemed like a it almost seemed like the Godfather of like superhero movies where it's just like generation. It's like dealing with generations and it's dealing with them in like an aesthetically interesting way. And again, I the, I think the Godfather is incredibly boring. Um, because I don't give a shit about the mob. But you don't want to explain it to some woman while you're watching it the whole time? I don't. If someone was like, what do you think of The Godfather? I'd be like, don't. I'm thinking about watching The Godfather. It's like, just don't watch The Godfather. <laughs> um, my number three is um, Kelly Reichert's Showing Up. Oh. Um, I'm, so this, this was your number one at the half, I think. Absolutely. And so it's kind it of, it hung around. Okay. I watched it a, a couple of times because um, we own it. Um, and I do think about this movie a bit, quite a bit. It's not on my list, but yeah. I do think about it. I really like um, um, Stephanie. What's her name? The the landlord. Why am I blanking on her name? Oh, um, Hong Zhao. Hong Zhao. Yeah, yeah. She's fantastic in everything she's in. No, you're thinking no, of Stephanie Shu. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. I was going like, that. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's Hong, Hong Zhao. Like, Stephanie Shu's not in that. Movie. I always mix, I mix her name. I mix her names up all the it's time. It's a different energy of Stephanie Shu. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's a movie about um, artists and um, and hopes and uh, the ways that we convince ourselves that there's still opportunities for us to uh, reach whatever we feel like our potential is. Um, it's quiet like all the best Kelly Record movies are. It has this great kind of heel Michelle Williams turn where she's not like not really all that very she's not very pleasant and like she has no right to be. Um, but she's kind of coupled to the Hong Chao character with like someone who like everything is going right for her. Yeah. And Michelle Williams's character is there, works equally as hard, and nothing is really going right for her. And so she has this exhibition at the end, which is fairly modest compared to like what Hong Chao's character has at the at the at the the studio there, uh, where she's got this like big huge space full of these gigantic sculptures, and she just has like this these six, you know. Uh, incorrectly glazed statues that Andre 3000 well, fucked up. <laughs> um, and uh, it is um, like heartwarming in its modesty, I think, especially. And we'll talk about that one in my number two, too, where like there's these, it's up against these huge movies, and uh, its emotions are like equally as big or bigger because they're not like, they don't have any of that like. Across the Spider Verse extravagance or, or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I'm not really super familiar with many of the Kelly Reichert films, like the movies we had on the list, First Cal, yeah, and whatnot. I think this is her most tight film that I've seen of hers. It's, like, especially it's the most, to... it's the most um, emotionally consistent and the most emotionally, I don't want to say coherent because that suggests her films aren't coherent, but it has the easiest. Point of access. Yeah, I think, I think it's her most accessible. Accessible, it's her yeah. most accessible. But I think it's a, it's her most accessible in the sense that, like, you're right. It is like I thought. First cow was I didn't like first cow because I thought it was too twee, like which I know is not a popular word, but like it's just too like, you know, the guy's stealing milk to make buns and like, you know, those two guys like dying next to each other and Alia Shawcat's character like finding them like a hundred their bones like a hundred years later or two hundred years later. It's like this is supposed to be like the first like piece of commerce or something and it's just like I don't know. Like this is all too small and like some of it but it was also overthought. You know what I mean? Like she's made very small movies like Great old Toby Jones though. 
Great Toby Jones, but like again, it's Toby Jones like spinning like a Machiavellian like, yeah. <laughs> and just like the guy just took the milk from the cow, and, like you know. There's nothing you and I, I have to, I couldn't get in that headspace to care. Um, I didn't have to get in a headspace no, to care sure. about showing up. That's and that's the different thing. And she I, wasn't playing with she wasn't playing with tropes in this either. It's just like I'm making a movie about people I understand it like perfectly. And, and I, so she I was think, able to draw them fully. I think I think like it's an incredible movie in that way. The reason I just didn't respond to it was just like I just am not on those that sort of um, personal wavelength in terms of like that sort of mm. starving, struggling artist thing. But f- for the intent that it put out there, mm-hmm. it's, it's an incredible film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's uh, so? It's your number. My number three, three is already talked about, and I went into this movie not. With almost no expectation, I knew what the basic premise was, and it blew it, everything out of the water. Is uh, American fiction? Um, Ditto. All, all the performances were spot on. I thought all the dialogue was so good, so snappy. It was edited great. Um, I loved um, Ray. I loved Brown. I like. I just loved like Sterling K. Brown. I think <laughs> was just so every scene he was in. Just stole every scene. I know when he leaves, when he's not in scenes, you're just like, ah, where is he? Bring him back. Why does he have to be in Arizona? Yeah. Just let him be here. I, I thought this movie, like, I, I knew the premise was, you know, a guy writing about you know, a struggling art author who's jealous of black, mm-hmm. like his black exploitation writing, and he does it himself. And it was way more than that. Like, that's almost like a side story in the movie, like all the family drama dealing with. Yeah, it balances mom. those threads. I think. Yeah, really and it blends re- them. It it really balances all of those really well. His his personal relationship with his girlfriend, um, with his relationship with his brother, with his mother, um, just with you know his career. I just I just I love this movie. Yeah. I can't wait to watch this a bunch. One of my favorites of the year. Good one. So my number three, I you know just talked about Scream Six. That's a horror film, uh, never really scary though. Uh, my number three is terrifying in multiple multiple times. Uh, that is Society of the wow, Snow. Wow, that got all, that high, huh? Yeah. I, now I really, I'm really sad I didn't watch it. Now, God damn. I mean, <laughs> it's on Netflix. Um, Society. It's it's a technical fucking achievement. Mm-hmm, uh, wow. One of the one of the strongest technical achievements of the year. Um, it has two incredibly harrowing sequences. Uh, the plane crash sequence, my number one scene of the year, is one of the most terrifying I've ever seen mm-hmm. in a movie. Um, but throughout all that, um, this movie is ultimately, you know, with those harrowing technical masterpieces of moments, you know, the, the cinematography, the tight editing, um, is this cohesive play like i said and that's why you know boyena got my director mm-hmm. because ultimately this is just about a group of brothers and you know a couple like people who are older hanging out not hanging out i should say surviving chilling <laughs> literally <laughs> uh surviving in this hellish landscape and just the vulnerability um that exists there mm-hmm. and when I say like liter like legitimately, with the last forty minutes of this film, I was crying. Mm. Uh, Thirty minutes of this film, I was crying throughout that entire part. Mm-hmm. I just could not stop crying yeah. because it is 
so emotionally earnest. Um, there is cinematic techniques put in the place that I won't say because I want you guys to see it. Um, that is that were surprising to me. Mm-hmm. That just that was like the moment I started crying and kept crying because this movie earns all of its emotions, um, and then it's punctuated just by this horror and. More so than many sort of survival films. Like, I wasn't a big fan of The Impossible, which he, he did as well, because it's a little too removed. Mm-hmm. The movie about the 2004 um, tidal wave. The um, one about the hit Naomi Watts yeah. and other people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but mostly Naomi Watts. Mostly her unfortunately, over and over unfortunately <laughs> I kind of like, at least, like, this is the one time, like, this is one of the few times where Netflix is. Here's money. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess they he probably they bought it. I think they bought they it. Bro- yeah. Well, I don't know because it's an it's an international production, so they may have funded the internet. It's uh, uh, I think probably like um, uh, what the fuck? Um, yeah, I don't. Oh, right on the Western Front, where it's it's a fun. They will fund international stuff because it'll play better. It'll play better in the country, and if it comes over here and does something, that's a bonus for them. It also just didn't make a lot of money, and I mean, it, it wasn't made for a lot of money. So mm-hmm. I, you know, cause there's not a lot to be done besides right. like two sequences. So that freedom there, um, that didn't have like the oversight that something like The Impossible does, or at something like Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom does. When he has intense oversight, when he has, Jurassic Park when he has like freedom, yeah, like he. Uh, just makes these incredibly emo- like a monster calls is, is an incredible oh, emotional yeah. film. Mm. Um, I just it's just such a impressive impressive movie. Like, I think the oversight in Jurassic Park. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just, I just, want, I just went into that. this expecting not expecting a lot. I expected like a well made movie. Uh-huh. I didn't expect such a vulnerable movie. It's so incredibly vulnerable. Well, people have been. I mean. When it was on your list, I guess I was like surprised only because I hadn't had a chance to see it. But like people had been talking about it, like it was coming and it was it was on the short list. And they were like, "Well, here's a movie that like, especially with I think with the success of All Quiet on the Western Front, like Netflix and these international productions, like there's something here. Um, this might be a thing that happens every year where like they get one of these and they're just like, here you go, or they you know instead of they doing give it the platform instead of giving like a Roma thing where they're just like. This is not an international production. This is like an international production, but we're also going to like shove it down everybody's throat for like all the big awards. They're just like, we're just going to let this movie be here. Uh, So my number two uh, has been talked about twice. Uh, It is American fiction, Cord Jefferson's American fiction. Uh, This won my best editing. It won my best original screenplay. Uh, Sorry, best adapted screenplay. Jeffrey Wright and Sterling K. Brown were one of some of my best actors. There is nothing I love more in film than a tight movie. A movie that is, no matter how long it needs to be, sometimes mm-hmm. that tightness can be two and a half hours. You know, uh, it can be 90 minutes. This is what, almost two, just maybe two hours? Yeah. Just under two hours? Um, yeah. There's nothing in this movie that I would consider fat at all. No. Everything in this movie's earned. Every shot is earned. Every shot lasts as long as it needs to. I went in, as I said on their categories episode, not really wanting to see a movie that uh, Friday. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I was like, I just want to get this done. I didn't really either, and I came out feeling... Like refresh exactly like like ten minutes fifteen minutes into this movie I was just like I'm in and I just kept being in and by the time it ended I was like I could have stayed there for a while longer but like it knew when to leave um, yeah and and that's that's just 
such speaks so impressively to how well scripted this film was, um, how well edited this film was, and and just its performance. It's it's a near perfect movie for me. Like there's not a lot I would yeah, change about I, I would, this. I, yeah, I would consider it in terms of its its creation a near perfect movie. Yeah, it has like two of the most lovely characters in the world in yeah. Lorraine and Maynard. Yeah. Like, I, I oh remember gosh. leaving that just there's being like, so because there's so, so many about there's so many drops of emotion, and I, I'll talk about that in a second. So many drops of emotion in this that like are like, oh man, that that sucks. That like you kind of expect that drop to happen with Lorraine or Maynard, and just the fact that like nope, they get married, they're happy, they're gone. Yeah. I'm like yes, it was absolutely. so lovely, and that's what the thing is. This it. movie, it gives you what you want, and when it doesn't give you what you want, you. It, don't it justifies it's, it's not, it's, it. You yeah. don't spite it for it because yeah. it always earns the direction it's taking. Yeah, it in. justifies when it doesn't um, give you what you want. So you know, you it, have it you have just those huge emotion, those two big emotional beats. I think in this film that work to perfection. It's when uh, you know Monk sees Lisa dying and he's just looking at the yeah, feet, that, and you just that, you like, that like you don't me. like you've said repeatedly. If we're still titling episodes, it would be like Tracy Ellis Rosh and have died yet. She should um, not have. But the way the like, you don't want her to die because like, that gutted so, me because I was charisma, having so fun with her. The character. charisma between the two, yeah, the action between the two, is so great. So and much good just, chemistry in the middle of a fucking like them laughing that she just she dies. dies. And that's all like, things are. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like he looks at her feet, then there's just Jeffrey Wright's kind of great expression of God, you know so just good. like so good. like so many expressions went over his face of like no oh yes. Like the logic part of his brain saying she's dead, but that other part of his brain saying no. Mm-hmm. And the other moment is, you know, the other big emotional drop that just works to perfection is when Cliff is dancing with his mother. Um, it's this night tender moment, and she says, I'm so glad, you know, you were a queer. And just he drops the hands. That, yeah. And just like that his wrecked face, me too. His, his, oh. his smile, just this kind of moment where like he's not been, he's, he's going through. So many things that he has all these layers mm-hmm. that are covering it through the coke, through the lovers. That he's trying to like cover up the hurt and the mm-hmm. fact that his life is completely unraveling. Yeah, and that is the one moment where he just goes blank-eyed, like Sterling K. Brown just nailed he's it. So, of just so everything, all that cover shattered, and he just had to walk away because you know it was the mo- like he's on the precipice of just breaking literally the last thing he wants to hear yeah. in that moment yeah. or the thing he thinks he's not going to hear in that yeah, moment yeah i know cuz he it was such a lovely moment because, when he's yeah. dancing with her yeah. and then that ev- this is the worst because he's, thing because he's acting like such he's so out of control because he's trying to control yep. everything and for the, that to be out of his control just causes him to break and you know i think just everything in this film is is so resoundingly perfect mm-hmm. that i i am excited to see what cord does Core Jefferson does in the future. Me too. It's so good. I mean, that American Fiction holdovers I have really close together. I think they're two of the most well constructed movies of the year. I mean, they both won my each screenplay, and Same. and I just just so happy those movies just make me happy. Mm-hmm. But what makes me happier is my number two is Blackberry. <laughs> this I know you guys keep giving me crap for this, but it was on Mario's list. Yeah. No, I'm the only one giving anybody crap, crap for, for it. But this this is my number one at the half. It fell down barely. But this is a movie I've watched um, a dozen times already. Uh huh. It's not streaming, so I had to buy it. So just to, I guess justifying buying it. Like I'll just fall asleep watching. I'll just sit it on when I want to go to bed. Just, I watched it two days ago. 
It just, it's so, it just, it's, it, it brings me joy. You should start a podcast about called Watching Blackberry. <laughs> and and it, it stings because I keep I want I keep telling people to watch this movie, but they can't because it's on AMC. That's oh. the only way people can freaking watch this movie. Yeah, nobody it's has annoying. AMC. I don't know. And I feel like it would give people, a lot more people like it if this made the Netflix somehow. But uh, oh, the performances, the direction, the writing, everything was so tight in this movie. It just brings me joy. I just. I think it's one of those things. I think you're right. If it was more available, and if the end of the year had worked out like I think that they were hoping it would for Glenn Howerton, not that he would like be nominated for an Oscar, but that he would like creep around the was somewhere, staying, stay in place. Um, because <laughs> it's got. You'll say it's a movie about blackberries, and then people will be like, "Really?" Okay. And then yeah. and to be like about how they got made, and then that guy from. It's always sending in Philadelphia, isn't it? It's like the Ryan Reynolds guy, and he's like, no, the, <laughs> the other, other guy, one. and he'd be like, which other guy? Danny DeVito. <laughs> Danny DeVito. Like, no, no, the other no, one. The other one. Mike Charlie Day? Day or Charlie Day? Yeah. <laughs> no, the other one. The Bird Lady. <laughs> Wasn't she on the Mick? It's like, no, different one, different show. Um, did you see? Did you see the miniseries version of it? No, I, I, I still want. I don't have AMC, so I'm okay, trying so to like. I, like I'm gonna. It a bit. I might pirate it if I can. Um, don't say that. Edit that. Oh no! Oh, uh, no. Um, no, I, yeah, I need or I need to get a free ben, trial to AMC Plus. Ben, because uh, I really want to watch it because I, I want to know what they cut out. I want to know if there's Lots more Glenn Howerton scenes that are going to make me smile more. Because I again, I watched it two days. I, I told him I watched it two days ago. The, the scene still hit hit like it's so good. Um, just love this movie. I'm just glad he was never allowed to buy the Pittsburgh Penguins. <laughs> that would have been bad. Are you a Penguins fan? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was a total... Because I like watching hockey, and so I just became like... It was the same with basketball for a while. What about run, huh? Um, no, I don't watch it anymore, but I did at the time. <laughs> and, um, and I just liked watching like the best teams. Like, And so the Penguins were the best team when I started watching hockey. So I was like, oh, well, obviously the Penguins. Um, and the same thing with basketball. Like, I don't have like a favorite team. I grew up with a Celtics fan, but I don't have a favorite team because I just like watching good, all good teams. And the Bulls were the best teams. So I just like like Tony Kukoc though was my favorite player on the Bulls because mm. he just made everything seem very easy. Mm. Michael Jordan made everything seem really hard. Like he was working so hard. Tony <laughs> Kukoc didn't seem like he was working at all. Yeah, was, I mean, um, I, it's my team, my youth. So you love Tony Kukoc? I love all of them. Good. Give me some Luke Longley. I'll, I love oh, them all, yeah. so I don't care. Yeah. I love when Bill Simmons on makes, like, Bill Wennington jokes. Yeah, give Bill Wennington. Yeah. He makes a lot of Bill Wennington jokes. Um, yeah, it's funny. I mean, I, I, I could move on, but I almost want to say my... I think that American fiction did correctly. I don't want to say correctly like a dick, but it definitely sounds like it just came off like that. A little bit. Big... It, Bottoms, Blackberry, and American Fiction, I think, are like tra- are working in like the same, in like the same arena. Sure. And I think they both are kind of touching on the idea of satire while trying to tell like an emotional story. And I think American Fiction, for me, does that better than those other two movies. They're they're two and three for me. <laughs> I right. mean, I, I love them both. Um, I just I think Blackberry just hit me like the 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 white nerdiness of it. Like I was a I was kind of a big Blackberry fan as a you know growing up in the. You had a Blackberry. Yeah, I had nice. a lot of Blackberries. Oh, nice. So, you had a so, lot of Blackberries. Yeah. Were so, you, so like I, I. No, 
I, you sure? So, but I like the the two guys is based on like I knew them. Like I was in BlackBerry forums on subreddits oh. and stuff. So like I was a big BlackBerry fan. So I was like interested to see this mm-hmm. movie. Forge, BlackBerry Four Chan. Like that's how I knew how to say Balsilly because I've already you know been reading stuff about it. So can you get a cameo from him? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And just <laughs> just screams at you. <laughs> Um, I just want. Can I get Glenn Howerton to do it for me? Because I like it better. Because I don't think that's how possibly was I did, real life. But I did it was, love the, I, uh, I loved it. The idea that uh, Matthew Johnson wanted to do reshoots on some of it, and um, Glenn Howerton refused because he, he didn't want to he, shave his head again. He's like, I'm shave. He's like not going to shave oh, his good. head again. Yeah, that wasn't I makeup. Mean, he actually he actually shaved his head, which I appreciate. The and that's know. like that's like directorial like nonsense. Like you got it. Like the movie, like yeah, what were you gonna, what were you gonna reshoot? Probably he got that, it, like so. you know, that was so. That you, what did you so desperately There's need to reshoot? Probably some like ADR stuff that right, we exactly. don't notice. Yeah, I also to want to say Matt Johnson as an actor in this movie was actually really good too. Like he was, I like, thought he was good. Yeah. He was like a silly like in the side 30s, relief. He's great. He's great in that too. I, I just, I think he you, plays well off of everyone. Mm. You you would like. I like Canadians. Um. Yeah. Just love this movie. So you you guys know that, and it's. Is one is this is literally one of my favorite movies of all time, probably mm. already. So pivotal film. It's it's only number two on my list of it the year. Would be your pivotal film, probably. I assume it it would be. Yeah. Um, my number two is um, Nicole Hall of Centers. You hurt my feelings. Um, it was um, you got Julie Louis Dreyfus and Tobias Menzies playing a married couple who uh, she is a writer um, and she overhears him talking to his friend about how he doesn't really like her new book. And that sends her into this. Uh, she's written like multiple books at this point. Yeah, and she's a te- and she's she's a teacher, and um, uh, I think this is her first novel. And her oh, okay. she's known for like having written this memoir. But I think that one of the genius things about this movie, and this is Nicole Hall of Center working at her um, her apex, is that she um, doesn't come out and say any of those things. It's like a, it's a it's a it's very novelistic in its approach and it's how it's gonna um, show depth and it trusts the audience like a great deal and Tobias Menzies and Julia Louis Dreyfus are like game to present these people as much deeper people than they have any real right to be. Um, the thing that sets this movie over the edge for me, and this is not directly related to like my personal like relationship at all, but I loved it was like the first, one of the first honest movies I've seen in a long time of uh, portraying like married people. Like this slight here isn't like, he didn't cheat on her. He didn't like. It's relatively minor. It's minor. Benign. But like in the, benign, right, perfect word. In the context of a marriage, like benign stuff or like in a long-term relationship, benign stuff can sometimes feel yeah, like, like undrive. And it can open the door to have conversations great conversations about other stuff and so that's where i think this movie is functions like one of the best written plays i'd seen in a long time in that the inciting incident is just a a door opening to have a deeper conversation about what it means to be in this relationship together and and it does those things perfectly there's these there's these wonderful callbacks and um motifs in it um in the language and in the dialogue. Um, and it's also calibrated perfectly. The direction's perfect. There's no extra things here. The score um, functions a little bit like the American fiction score and then has like this jazzy element to it, but it's not as ostentatious as that. It's just kind of like moving from one 
like scene to the next scene. They're in this specific part of New York, so it works really well. It's just like a wonderful world to be in and to be a part of. And um, I've been looking at my list, like wondering like how, like I've already filled in Andy's number one, and I'm just like, oh yeah. Like, I'm just like, the balance is off, and it's like freaking me out in my OCD. Um, that's because my number one is a movie that I saw very late in the year. But it, it is, uh, as I mentioned, uh, it is a very Tom movie. Um, it is All Dirt Road's Taste of Salt, Raven Jackson's movie. It is, um, it is uh, a movie about um, two kids, uh, one of them specifically named Mac McKenzie, um, and how uh, and how she grew up and the the situations, but it tells that story through pictures and through cinematography and through movement, ling- really long lingering shots. I mean, this movie is an hour and a half long. There's probably like I don't know thirty, forty shots in it. You know what I mean? Like, and some of them are just like two hands like together, and it just like sits there, and you kind of go through this process of she's a poet and she she's a um, a photographer, Raven Jackson. So you kind of go through these things of like noticing all the things in him and like not like writing your own poetry because that sounds stupid, but like there's something here. Take in all the little details, all the textures. One of the great things about this movie is that like it's a cinematographer's movie, but like the cinematography is in relation to other movies that you like get praised for their cinematography very plain you know what i mean she's not doing anything out she's not doing anything outrageous she's not like trying to shoot a criterion cover you know what i mean or yeah. like put in like the criterion clip or like watch like i think about stalker all the time is like when you sh- when they show when they talk about stalker they write about stalker they always show the scene with like all like the little piles of sand and stuff yes. like that you know what i mean mm-hmm. she's not doing any of that stuff it's very like this is this world that these people inhabit, and I want you to inhabit it too. And the only time you can, only way you can inhabit it is to spend time in here. Um, and it's very profound and very moving. It reminded me a lot of a movie that was on my pivotal film list, um, Baraka, which is a documentary, but it's wordless. There's not very much dialogue in this. Uh, it's totally wordless. Um, it just shows like these different religions and how people worship and stuff like that. And you come out of it with this like very clear sense of transcendence and. Um, that's what all Dirt Road's Taste of Salt does. Um, I, it's definitely not for everybody, but it's 100% for me, which I was very grateful to have found because just to wrap up my conversation about like the movie year, I hadn't found one of those this year. Hmm. I really liked, I like all nine movies on my list and I like some other movies that didn't make it on my list, but I didn't feel like attached or deeply inside of any of those movies. Um, especially like even like, you hurt my feelings, which I just loved. It was I loved it like more intellectually than I did like emotionally. Mm-hmm. And this movie does the thing which I want movies to do, which is do both things simultaneously. Activate this to get closer to to, to like the feeling part. Activate the mind to get into the feelings. Um, and that's what this movie did. So I'm happy to have have watched it and I'll toss it to Andy. For no no surprise. Um, not not familiar with that movie. Is that a uh, this, uh, coming out, coming into this year, this was my most anticipated movie, so I went in with pretty high expectations, and I it was better than I thought it was even what I could even imagine it being. And I just poor things, I think is a it's it's just a phenomenal movie. It I I really don't think there's much to critique about this movie. I just I it felt 
the world building that Yorgos Lanthimos does in all his movies is interesting. This was like it felt more fully realized. Um, the themes that he was putting for, I, I think, are similar to Barbie, but I think executed better. Um, I Emma Emma Stone's performance is just phenomenal. Um, the production design is phenomenal. The score, like this is. This is one of my favorite movies ever made, I think. Um, you said that twice in a row. Yeah, they're my top two <laughs> movies. That's what do you think? So people putting together Andy's pivotal film list, if you were listening to this podcast I this think this year, is one of the... Clues. So, so what you're saying with like your list, like my from Godzilla, my, my one through five, I think all are really... Some of my favorite movies. It's because we forced you to watch a lot of movies this year. Well, well I'm going to... We did. Here's but, what I'll say, is that... I, and this is like a this is a longer conversation that like we can have at some point, which I've been kind of I think we've been maybe teasing the idea of having this conversation. Doing this podcast has kind of like ruined my life, like in a lot of ways. <laughs> oh, and that like I don't his children hate him. <laughs> He's been fired from seven jobs. No, it's just that if I take my if I take my bag anywhere, they're like you go on a podcast. I'm like, it's like nope, go to work. <laughs> um, it's no, it's that like when you see all the movies. And then when like we were doing our list and you watch like movies that had already come out while simultaneously watching this year's all the movies and we're not doing it for money. We don't have any money. We're just doing it all on our own. Um, so like we're doing other jobs and living our lives and like trying to fit all these things in here. You start to kind of like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how you feel about this too. Like you start of kind of your, your taste like calcifies and like it's really got to It's really got a fucking hit. For it to hit, and for me anyway. Yeah. And so I'm going into some of these movies, and like, again, my list really probably is like 12 or 13 movies long, and like the ones that are on that are just like, I have, like, Poor Things is one of those movies. I really appreciated Poor Things. I didn't connect to it at all. Yeah, sir. Um, and that's like Oppenheimer too is like that middle section. I was like, that is good. And then the second it was over, I was just like. Okay, I'm going yeah, I think, home. I think I'm a little more fluid. Like I, I re- you know, poor things is on my list. I responded, but it's it's kind of like that thing. It takes a lot for me to emotionally connect to something. So, so you guys are more jaded than me, is what you're saying so far? But, but not jaded. It's just what we've seen when you see so much shit every year. I, honestly, kind of without like this podcast, it. I probably wouldn't have saw like I wouldn't have seen Godzilla probably. Um, but well, that's but, on you, buddy. Yeah, no, I agree. everybody should see. Godzilla. No, I agree, and I tell everyone it's to see good. Godzilla. But like Godzilla holdovers, American fiction, Blackberry, Four Things, those are like I thought this is a phenomenal movie year, and it was those those five movies I thought I think were I, hard I, to I agree. Put. I, I think thought it was a really, really good movie year too year. because, like I said, I probably only have thirteen movies that like I thought were like like gonna be could be on here. Most of the time, I have like six movies that I want to put on a list, and then I just put four more movies on there so we can do this exercise. Okay. I, I don't know how you feel about yeah, that. Yeah, no, no I, I, I was, I, I was, like 11. I was struggling. This year, I had like eighteen. Mm. Yeah, yeah, like my top twenty, I think, are all fantastic movies that mm-hmm. I recommend to everyone. And are we going to do the rewatchable movie list that you talked about, or what? Did I talk about that? I don't remember. That you that. texted earlier. I don't really have like oh. we could. I mean, I, I I don't want to spend too much time on it because I just don't have no like, that's, very that's many. Fine. Um, um, it's like pretty much oh, just that like, one. Yeah. yeah, it's like Spider Man. I kind of threw some of those. Oh, rewatchable movies from this year. Yeah, I kind of threw Thanksgiving is the only other one I would mention. Well, that was surprise was on your list. I he has he has one more left. I suppose that's yeah. true. 
Um, but <laughs> it's Thanksgiving. Could you imagine? Uh, uh, <laughs> said, I think, like I said, I think you said that it was your number one at one point. No, I didn't. Never it was, said it was, it was your one. number one horror movie at one point. Yeah, and oh, then maybe. like maybe I don't think it's as good as Misheard. I don't think it's it mix mixes as well as Scream Six. Sure, but, oh, yeah, Eli Roth is just so disappointed. But but I thought he had one there. <laughs> but just to, just, just to wrap it up, like your Lanthimos, I'm on his level. I know so, you like, guys I'm aren't. Not, no, I, so like I want to dwell deep into this. Yeah, because because I. I wouldn't, because you're a Lanthimos guy. Like we're Tom admirers and I are not admirers. I, I'm not. I, I'm not a. I don't like the lobster. Um, I think Killing of the Sacred Deer is overrated. Dogtooth's just a bad movie. The favorite's fine. You like Killing of the Sacred Deer quite a bit. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know how you respond to like the lobster. I can take or I respect the you know the lobster and the favorite um, are like on the same for me. Dogtooth's bad and though, right? Dogtooth, I just I think Dogtooth is him trying to be Von Trier, and he's yeah, just not yeah. as interesting a filmmaker as Von Trier. But, like, but I get I get what he's doing. But excluding yeah. Dogtooth, which I don't think you've seen yet, right? uh, I haven't. You're correct. Um, but like you're but I, on, I like you're all on of, you're all of his movies. What I like makes all of his what makes this film? so profoundly like it was your anticipated just because you were on that line mm -hmm. but i think the expectation that you had of it was exceeded by maybe an exponential level yeah and i i just i don't think i really like dug into like why that is I, I, so so when the favorite came out that was my favorite movie of that year and, and that was Euro's lanthimos taking up like a little step back from his fantastical you know because he, he I, I like the way he builds he has like a, his movies take place in our world, but then there's like it's a little something different. Mm -hmm. Like it's not like a crazy different world, but there's something weird about it. Like Sacred Deer and Lobster does that, and the favorite doesn't do that at all. Um, he didn't write that movie. He didn't write this movie either. Mm -hmm. um, but I had a feeling this was going to be a little fantastical, but also he didn't write it, so I thought it might be like the perfect cross section, and it and it was. Mm -hmm. um, because it allowed him to, instead of focusing on all the writing, to build his the world that he wanted it to be in and made it, it's a little bit hyper-realistic, but also somewhat grounded. It was, it was, I don't know, it just visually, it was stunning to me. And then you throw Emma Stone into that, who is one of my favorite actresses. And she puts, I think her best performance she's ever put on film. Um, it just it's, it chills all punch in the air right now. She was an easy A, Andy. I, I love easy A, so don't don't. She was it. in <laughs> she was in Zombieland Double Tap. I love it too. <laughs> yeah, you are a fan. I am a big fan, um, more than you know. Um, but I, I don't know for some reason this movie just really connected, and also all its themes. I thought it really nailed what it was going for. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting. I, I think in a year that if Oppenheimer wasn't out this year, I think this movie might win a lot of Academy Awards. And now it's just going to come in second place to a lot of a lot of Oppenheimer. I think so. Which mm. thinks which is fine. I don't care. I appreciate this movie a lot, and it I'm makes still, me happy. I mean, I'm surprised that like the America the or the Academy has decided that Yorgos Lanthimos is like one of the directors that it's going to bestow honors on like all the time he just makes such weird movies but they're like with the favorites are like nope he's in now all the time it, any it, movie he makes five six nominations or more he should though like 
Oh, I'm not saying that he should. He just makes. He does. It, they're they're, they're not like movies, yeah. they're not a broad appeal movie. Like I get that, but yeah, they're and they're not Oscar like so Oscar Beatty movies. Really. They're not. Uh, they're not Oscar Beatty movies while simultaneously being a little bit like Oscar Beatty. Yeah, they're kind of in that like Guillermo del Toro sphere. Yes, a hundred percent. And I love a lot of what which he is does which too, is so. slightly becoming almost not. I don't want to say Oscar Beatty, but definitely. The Oscar wheelhouse of movies, yeah, of just that unique weirdness, while still having an emotional core that has moments of, of trauma or moments of yeah. And I think to that exact point, I think I think that's a really good point, though. I, yeah. I, I, I think that another gold star. Um, I think Yorgos Lanthimos, to give him credit, is making more interesting movies or be making more. <sighs> challenging challenging choices yeah. than Guillermo del Toro is making now like, right. so for yeah. instance they're, I, they're going in opposite I absolutely almost, fucking yeah. hate so if you're gonna take if you're gonna take this movie and you're gonna take Guillermo del Toro's like uh, The Shape of Water I fucking hated The Shape of Water I liked it I but it's like not Pan's this, I do like yeah. this movie yeah. um, I hated The Shape of Water I think Nightmare Alley though is a better movie than this yeah, movie Oh, I don't know. And I just, and I just, I've watched Nightmare Alley a whole bunch of times since that came out. Like it should have, been, it would have, in hindsight, in retrospect, if we do like a retrospect thing, in retrospect, that should have been on my list because I think it's a perfectly, it's a perfect execution made, of that. that. Made my list or almost missed it? I don't know. I don't think either of you guys had that. Maybe I just. It's had a perfect it. execution of what that movie wanted to be and what it was supposed to be and what it could have been. It was just right there. It was a, it chopped up the book perfectly it acknowledged the original movie while doing it whatever it wanted it had like a great well, Bradley... that original book is rough the book is garbage it is um had a great Bradley Cooper performance which is not a sentence that ever gets uttered <laughs> here um and everyone it, it was it brought you like fully into this world with no tricks with no nothing you know what I mean it was just like here's the movie this is what's going on like Holt McCallany in there as well for for oh, yeah. he's you know hanging his, out with me and Richard Jenkins. It's his nose fucked. Um, this Wait, that's, mo- no, he gets hit by the car. It's Richard Jenkins gets his nose fucked. Yeah, this movie, this movie does a Yorgos Lanthimos thing, or it does a it does a movie trope, which is like you know what's really and it it it's it it acknowledges subversiveness, mm-hmm. which the best movie, which the movies that I like best don't. Don't do. They don't. They don't. They're being. They're not being subversive for any other reason other than this is what this movie calls for. Mm. This he seems to kind of want to put, like, you know, Emma Stone is so naked and she's fucking so much. That's wild. Seriously, jumping. Isn't that wild? And just I, like, I don't yeah, think. I, I don't guess. think. I don't think that's what he's doing though. Like, that's not what he's going for. So if he's not, he should. I think he could find a different way to do what he wants to do without. Without some of it, it seems like he uses it as a crutch. When he gets to a certain point, he's just like, "I'm just gonna have her fuck," and then it'll be crazy. Well, I think again. the two of them. I, I, I think right. they, I think they collaborate a lot. Sure, but stuff. I mean, it's yeah. regardless of like who's making the collaboration. And that's why 
that's where for me, like, well, but I th- they I got it, to a certain point. I was like, I don't need to do this. You don't need to do this anymore. Well, it doesn't I matter. Think, I would. I think I would agree. Like in the brothel sequence, it becomes like a little. A that's little what long. I mean. Yeah. Um, they're it, trying I mean, to get the energy back. In the back sense, up. I don't think it's necessarily energy back up. It's supposed to represent the kind of the her, two her growth. Yeah, it's kind of represent the growth, like in the aspect of like it, this it, sex is just for physical her, gratification her versus control. like versus like taking control in the mental aspect of it. I do think there's maybe a like one or two that could have been cut from here and there. Um, from it, like, I, and I think overall, like, in terms of this film's like editing, and I'll say um, I've only seen this movie once, I don't, I don't and I want to rewatch it. I, I don't know if it's a movie I'm going to watch a lot, but I do want to rewatch it. So I could, I could critique it. And, yeah, Maybe Blackberry is better. I, like, I, like I like no, no. I like it quite a bit. I just think it needs just a little tightening. Like no one's asking. Like, and I, just, I, I, I just don't. Yeah. I want to be clear. No one's asking you to critique it. If it's your number one, it's your number one. I think it's a good movie because it brings up all of these other yeah, component if, parts. If it was, if it when was I'm a watching this movie, number one, when I'm watching this movie, this is how anything. I feel about it. When you watch this movie, this is how you feel about it. When it's, it's yeah, like if it was a boring number one, things, we yeah. wouldn't say anything about the movie. So that shows that it's at least. A complicated film that is trying to do. I mean, or it would be an insane. Like if you said, you know, Maestro is my number one. We would yeah. fucking throw. Is that? Are you just setting us up? No, no. no. <laughs> um, if you say Maestro is your number no, one, I'm going. I'm to. My number one is American Symphony. <laughs> is that, no, that, that John Batiste. That's the thing. Is, is it makes it if it's a complicated movie, that means it's an interesting movie, which means makes it a very viable number one. So. Yeah, I, this movie just hit me on all the like everything. Like I like weirdness and this. I like. Yorgos Lanthimos' version of weirdness. It doesn't hit everybody, and I get that, but it, for some reason, it just hits me. It yeah. just bring like, I don't know. I just have a good time in what he's offering. So, I just like this world. I thought this movie was fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's one of the... I thought Barbie was going to win my production design, like, going away, and then this movie happened, and I'm like, oh. Yeah. This it movie... my production design as well, it, so. Yeah. So, all right, Mario. So, as I said earlier, end the suspense. As, as I said earlier, I have no guess. Unless should. it's talk to me or something. Uh, no, it's not talk to me. <laughs> as I said, this list is always a confluence of entertainment for me, a favorite, and of what I think is the best movies of the year. Mm-hmm. And I was being a stinker earlier when I said this movie wasn't on my list, but far and away, my number one is Godzilla minus one. Oh, oh you fucking <laughs> asshole! <laughs> Well, I eliminated it because you said it wasn't on your list. No, easily. I, th- um, I thought it might be your number one. That was so sad. I was like legitimately like, oh, all right. Yeah, yes. me too. So what was that? No. Uh, <laughs> do you remember all the categories I nominated it yeah, for? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know. That's why you said it was on your list. I didn't know what no, you were talking about. I was just making good. a joke. That was good. Um, that was good. Hey, you got me. You no, got me. Uh, Godzilla Minus One is, as, as we've said earlier um, in this episode and previously, it's this perfect... Um, two tributaries meeting to form this voracious river uh, of a film. Um, Godzilla is one of my favorite series of movies. Like, I'm a Godzilla guy. Mm -hmm. There's a lot I skip, so I would say, like, I'm more of a James Bond guy than Godzilla. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, anytime a new Godzilla is coming out, like, I'm excited for it. And I was excited for this, because, you know, even though Shin Godzilla is messy, very messy... Very cheap looking. Shin Godzilla is fucking great, and it's it's ridiculousness. But it's trying to do something. And I was expecting it's, Godzilla it's minus way, yeah. one to like be the same sort of messiness. Yeah. But this movie is so incredibly tight, and meeting with that second sort of river of of just this insane emotional film. Yep. I never 
in my life expected to cry three times during a goddamn Godzilla movie. Um, and it didn't need to be this. No, and that's exactly. No, and the no three one times, was asking and the, for this. And like the Godzilla only indirectly caused one of the things, well, directly caused one of my like moments of kind of crying is when uh-huh. I think Noriko is, um, is killed. Um, Noriko, sorry. Uh, I didn't cry. I gasped. Like, like I couldn't breathe for well, like, like five gasped, seconds. And then I, I started like crying. I'm like, I hope maybe she's um, not dead. Mind blown. But, yeah. yeah. But like when the girl, the little girl, and I don't know, I don't want to know what they did to make that little girl cry on cue. <laughs> on cue so much. But know. like when she started crying. I don't know like how much chili pepper they were rubbing. He starts, yeah, yeah. When he starts screaming. Like it's this film that's so, when I, you know, perfectly, perfectly covers like the emotional, inner emotional state that person goes through when they suffer trauma and mm-hmm. the kind of way they put a blockade up yeah. and then they're suddenly driven by like a singular goal mm-hmm. to kind of like rectify or kind of like release that balloon of trauma yep. um, covered with this fucking perfect masterpiece of a Jaws film. Yeah, <laughs> that's, the, that's the a, Jaws a, stuff was so it, good. But like yeah. even throughout, like even when he's not in the water, it's still a Jaws movie yeah. in the sense that like he's this... There's always Jaws, this, Jaws is Jaws something. Is not there's a creature a creeping in the background. Like Jaws is not a force of nature. Jaws ha- is malicious. He yeah. has a malice and he has intent and he's a monster. He's not just Godzilla. Typically, portray- like often portrayed as just this trampezing, does, tramp- trampling sort just of kind of like walking around. Yeah, like whatever. This Godzilla has intention. He's got mm. malice. That's yeah. why, like when he first showed up in the island, was on my moments. So like, oh, this sets me up for a different kind of Godzilla that exactly you usually um, see. And just beyond the technical aspects, which are, you know, it's earned a Best Visual Effects Oscar. Perfect. Great. It deserves I, it. It deserves I, the I win. I hope it wins. But, like, yeah. that doesn't even have to enter the conversation. It is It is the It is the direction of this film. It is the emotional core. It is the incredible screenplay. Um, every fundamental piece of this movie works together in perfect harmony. And it has its, like, moments, obviously, that, like, aren't don't necessarily work as well as they could. But, mm-hmm. like, all of that is forgotten with how well and how structured this movie is. Yeah. And just that emotional release of knowing, knowing that he's being told there's, you know, a escape hatch I, sort of thing. I, I, I love that. Like, I just love the surprise, how they did it. Like, I don't know. It was all so long. I mean, I thought it was, like, it was perfectly, te- it was telegraphed. It was like, telegraphed, but they didn't shove it in your face. Like, they didn't, but like, like you yeah. know it. Uh, but just the anticipation of that. And Godzilla's face when the plane crashed into it, Chris just, Baby laughed so I just much. love the shock in his eyes. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's just like, whoa. <laughs> it made me laugh so Just going bug-eyed. That's the thing. Like, that whole sequence, that whole sequence is so long. And there's so many moving parts. With that, I mean, the score is fantastic. Oh, it's so the amazing. I the only reason I didn't nominate scores is like, dude, Borrows so heavily from, from the previous film, but Godzilla's just standing there, and he's like, "Oh, it takes time for him to do, warm it up." Do you want to? Do you want to have your your angry point about how's he standing in so such deep water? Well, he's, he's like I said, I, I want to see. Water. I, I want to see what it's his like, feet look like. Yeah. It's like a water. fucking helicopter. Well, his tail is propping him up. <laughs> yeah, um, but and in a worse movie, you're just like, "Oh, come on!" Like he's just fucking standing there, letting him do it. But you know what's gonna happen? Not that he's gonna fly into the mouth or anything like that, but you know. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, you, you, you know, Godzilla's being defeated. Exactly. Yeah. You know, he's being defeated, and you don't 
you, like you said, you forgive transgressions that you would not forgive in other movies because it's everything is so satisfying. It functions exactly how like like uh, a popcorn movie should function. But it functions on a, such a different level yes. because it has this... Well, it's got this, an emotional this, core. It, it has this emotional core, but that emotional core is deeply heavy. Yeah. Cultural trauma, yep. deeply heavy personal trauma. He's mm-hmm. lost his parents, and all that know, stuff is executed and, and all, perfectly. And all that stuff, he can only, you know, his neighbor blames him for the death of their children, mm-hmm. her children, and all that stuff is is both a personal weight on him of feeling like he was he could have saved Japan, Japan, if he had just crashed his plane with him in it into just one more American naval ship. Well, in reality, I mean, he could I mean, have saved Japan if he had just shot Baby Godzilla. With his plane. No, it wouldn't have done anything. That's the entire point. Well, we don't know. We don't know. He needed to do but the, it. I think we'll the idea never is, know. He didn't I, do it. I, I think the film doesn't function if he had done that. It doesn't, like, but it's also... Ca- no. I think it's appropriate, well, if, if, it's appropriate it's known, to his, if it's known that that would have worked. Right. It's appropriate to his character, though, that he didn't. Because he was not a guy who wanted to like engage in battle. Yeah. And like here's this monster. Well, I, I think it's and I think it's interesting from a I mean I'm not too familiar with Japanese culture, but it's interesting how like much of an individual movie this is. Mm-hmm. Like Japanese culture being so based upon the calm and good. Well, he's I trying mean, to reconcile utilitarian thing and he's just like very much an individual and it's not I was worried like watching this movie that that was going to be a failing of his yep. and the fact that like no like I mean they work they work together in the end as a community culturally but it was different it, back in World War Two too oh for sure I mean it's but place, it's it's so, obviously a yeah. modern interpretation yeah. of well it. so that's sure. why I've read some interesting criticism that like deals with that exact thing where it's a it's a uh, modern Japan trying to finally reconcile with like the expectations and the ideas of that era of Japan yeah. and like to kind of push away from it so what starts out is like a really personal thing actually becomes like a broader societal thing when like everybody else that's left there is yeah. not fighting and it, for and the they're, they're flag they're fighting the, for like and they're themselves. shooting on the themselves. country and that's the idea and, the and, that's, and anyway, I think that's the, yeah. the tremendous thing about it is like it, it this this shadow not only of Godzilla but the Godzilla kind of almost in the same way represents I don't think Godzilla represents but the shat like directly it said the emperor the mm-hmm. empire yeah. of and that's like you die for the empire of Japan right. versus you know, it like has has because we're one group, and in the end, that one group does win, but they win as individuals coming together mm-hmm. for without the government for their brotherhood yeah. for each other, but also still delineated as individuals. And the, the younger yeah. one makes he's told not to go because yep. he's the future of the country, but he makes the individual choice and functionally helps save the day. You know, to come with all the other ships to you know do it's it it's all these individuals coming yeah, together yeah. for a common good, but still as individuals. It's that collective loss being everyone's individual loss rather than Japan's like one loss. Instead of like we lost the war, that's what you're sad about. It's like no, I lost my family, I lost this, I lost mm-hmm. that, and then bring that collective like that consciousness together to fight this one thing. It's really... That's the thing. There's no reason for this movie to be this in, like intellectually interesting. It, it shouldn't be this deep. But it, it should just it be... Is, like It should awesome. be viscerally gratifying and it's literally it's both things. Full. Yeah. No. Terrific. Easily... I love, easily I love Godzilla. Easily my number one, though. Yeah. I'm sorry for being a dick. But that was, was awesome. That was just when you guys both said like, number five, I was just like, ah, perfect time to go. Not on my <laughs> list. 
asshole. I thought I was gonna get called out for that immediately. I thought you were gonna go like, "Oh, this is number one." I didn't want to be an asshole. I didn't either. No, but I thought in your head you were gonna be like, "But oh, I was looking at when you said one. it wasn't on your list." I was just like, "Oh, that's I don't know what gotta... the fuck is gonna be number one on your list." <laughs> this is gonna be a sneak attack. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, yeah, good movie. It was a good movie year. It was. Yes. There's a lot going. There's a lot to think about. It was also a lot. Of dis- it was a lot of good discussion. Yeah. Like I think there's this movie year offered a lot for people. Uh, for one person, and that would offer nothing or an intellectual appreciation for mm-hmm. another person, yeah. and that's what makes it interesting. Like, yeah, it's not one of those years where it's just like, oh, these these are the best movies of the year. Yeah, of course I agree. Moving on, mm-hmm. you know, there's, you know, I, I think that's what makes it interesting. Is like there's a lot of stuff that yeah is challenging. I yeah. worry about this upcoming year. Just be, I mean, it's a SAG strike because year, of the SAG so strike year really, and everything. It's can't, gonna, every it, every year can't be. A it's winner. gonna. It, 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 Make sure you appreciate the good years. Yeah, Civil I, War. Think, I think this is one of the best movie years. Got in Maxine. A while, yeah, man, got Maxine, which apparently is is a uh, L.A. noir or something. Not really. Apparently, if she's not like the main character in the movie, or if she's like the main character, she's not like like the the center. I'm sorry, L.A. Movie. like an L.A. noir adaptation. No, like an like 80s... she goes back in time to the 1940s. And no, it's a different. It's there? a different character, or like the video game. It's a different character. Well, that's why I was making the joke. Oh. Um, yeah, it's not. It's not the pearl. But we also have a bomb you know hopefully coming this year and I'm I don't very... think that's gonna happen anymore. No, really? The what? The Bong Jun Ho thing. Mickey seventeen. Because they haven't they like they've just like taken it off. I don't know why. They think it's completed though. They, so I think it is. There's some there's rumors now. So the rumor there's two rumors. The rumors that they're either pulling it because they're saving it for a festival later in the year, or they're pulling it because for whatever reason it's not finished. Working? Oh. Yeah. So I don't know. But don't. Claire Denise sued them. She can only have Robert Pattinson in space. That's true. Still my most anticipated. And then the world movie. sued Claire Denise because she made that weird Margaret Wally movie. <laughs> yeah. It's a, in Civil War. I'm excited to see Civil War. In in the hand of Dante, man. Fucking mm. Julian Schnebel doing fucking the Dante movie. That'll be good. And Terrifier 3. Dune 2. I'm curious. Julian Schnebel doing a Terrifier movie. I'm curious to see what Damien Leone does with more money and being told he probably can't be as crazy I and has 90 that. minutes. Okay, you, a Blood and Honey crossover. You guys know we have a, another Yorgos Lanthimos movie this year too, right? We do, so. we have that. Yeah, yeah I like how he's movie. turning into Wes Anderson, which is nice. <laughs> well, this is going to be like an anthology, so I don't know if I'm going to like it as I'm much. Sure he'll disa- That's what I'm talking yeah. about. I'm sure he'll disappear for like four years after this. Uh, he, it, he, he likes being famous. He really likes being famous. No, I mean, him From everything I've heard, he's like really into no. this. Yeah. Emma Stone is amused, so there's gonna oh, be Oh, yeah, he's David O. Russell himself. He's yeah. just like, oh, she wants to work more with me? Cool. Yeah. Matt Bellamy is I'm okay. Nice. I'm okay with <laughs> Emma Stone and Yoro Lanthimo should work together forever. I would be happy. All right, well. We have to die at some point. <laughs> nope, forever. No, you shouldn't have said anything. That should have been the end of the podcast. <laughs> you have to die at some point. All right, so we uh, keep watching, keep drinking, and uh, we'll talk to you eventually. Do some, do some jumping jacks. Do the jumping jacks. Yeah. Do them. This is Mario Ponzi, by the way. <laughs>